Blog Talk Radio. I have returned to the land of the living. I am a zombie. I am a zombie. I am a zombie. Every dead body that is not exterminated becomes one of them. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. commercial here for my sponsor. This of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsor, IVP Videos. www.ivpvideos.com 2.99 single disc, 5.99 double disc. They have all the Puro, Lucha, Indie Sleaze, uh, Best Ofs, Classics, whatnot that you're looking for. www.ivpvideos.com Tell them KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. Alrighty, rubber guarders out there, I am joined on the line by not just Memphis, but I would say worldwide wrestling legend, Mr. Iceman, Jimmy Dundee. What's going on, brother? Good, brother. How are you? Thank you for the, the great introduction there. I appreciate that. Thank you. Not a problem. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm very well. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, hanging out at a hotel, waiting to wrestle Thanksgiving night here, and then off to Chicago for the this Saturday show, and doing what I guess the rest of us are doing, just trying to stay alive and eating this shitty business we're trying to call wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
Who are you working with uh, on Thursday? On Thursday, I'm working for a company called XCW. It's run out of New Albany, Indiana. By a guy I fell up by the name of Mitch Ryder. Ah, good stuff. I remember. That's good, XCW Midwest, yeah? Right, Midwest, correct. We have good, you know, they just got good talent, too. Jerry Lynn, Chase Stevens, B.J. Whitmer, Bullpain, I mean, Todd Morton, himself, Mitch Ryder, me. He's brought Brian Christopher in, my father, just, you know, I mean, he's got, what he's got going is really good right now. Yeah, um, the Larry Sweeney-Bill Dundee match was just awesome. Larry Sweeney-Bill Dundee classic. What do you think <laughs> of Larry Sweeney? I thought Larry Sweeney was a, a hell of a worker. I thought he was a super charismatic guy. I thought he did his gimmick to 100% to the best, and I thought he was a really good worker. I thought I got no problems with the guy. I thought he was a really good guy. Well, I see him in the ring, and, and um, you know his his whole act reminds me of a of a Memphis-based Eddie Gilbert. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. You're right. He's uh, cocky. He's uh, his gimmick is uh, yeah. See, to me, I. I don't know what his gimmick is. That's what I told my dad. I said, I don't know what his gimmick is, but I like it. You understand? I guess mm-hmm. that's just him because it's like it's a whole bunch of different things with, with that all thrown together. I'm like, I don't know what he's supposed to be, but I like it. Well, he's Eddie Gilbert, he's admitted you know, he's stolen from uh, Eddie Gilbert. He's stolen from Playboy Buddy Rose. You know, right? And but see, that's that's what makes. If you take a little bit, of, like I try to explain to the people, if if you take a little bit of everybody and put it together, you got to come up with something original, something yourself. You know, I mean, to, that's what's wrong with our business today. Everybody's the same in my business, in the professional wrestling world. But just, you turn on that television, I can't tell them apart. They're all tan guys with long blonde hair with bandanas on and jewelry, and you know what? They all look the same. Every one of their tights are the same. Everything is identical. I can't tell them apart. And that's yeah. what's wrong with our business. Sweeney, he's 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 charis- he's char- how was the word Char- charismatic? Is that charismatic, right? yeah. And and he and when I see him, I remember him. Mm-hmm. When I wrestle in most of these towns, I don't remember hardly none of these guys because there's no reason for me to remember them. They're all the exact same. So. Yeah. Well, see, Larry, Larry is a he's he's an anomaly in the business. For the Ring of Honor promotion, he's strictly a manager, and then everywhere else. He he's a worker, right. and and you can tell by his his managerial style that he patterns himself after Bobby Heenan, and right. you can't go wrong there. No, and you, but see that that's smart, man. And he and he adds himself to it because see you know if that's what he can do in Ring of Honor and get away with it, and that's his deal, then that's great because the guy's a hell of a wrestler. So I don't know why he ain't wrestling for him, you know. But I mean, I'm sure he's going to build to that. I'm sure he's going to not just manage there every time he's there. It's coming. Yeah, of course. I mean, sure it is. Sorry, I had to have a sip of this cold beer here. And I want y'all to know that y'all are very important to me because I am missing Nip Tuck. Oh, Nip, okay. I mean, I mean, that's a big deal, brothers. Nip Tuck is my that's my soap opera, man, I, and, and I'm missing it just so I can hang out with you guys, man. <laughs> I know, but I'm still going to drink my beer, but I just ain't going to watch my Nip Tuck. I'm going to hang out with you guys for a couple hours. Cool. That's cool. So who do you got hanging out with you there this evening in Louisville? I have nobody hanging out with me uh, because... If I say the wrong name, then the other three women will be mad. So I have nobody hanging out. <laughs> I have a couple buddies up on the way coming back from Cincinnati from going to see a, a rock concert, and they're going to be here probably in about an hour and a half. And then we're going to go out to this uh, titty bar here called Trixie's in Louisville. We're going to go out there and just, you know, watch, drink the drinks and, you know. Do the thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's like saying when you buy Playboy to read the articles. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the titty bar and drink the drinks and eat the nachos. <laughs> well, I have some 
I lied to you earlier about not going through a format. I did actually sit down and do some homework. Well, good. I'm glad because I, 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 that's, that's what I like to hear. I like to hear what, what's really going on out there about me because I don't even remember half of it, but when they tell me, it comes back to me. So, Well, is, uh, there seems to be some controversy on the Internet regarding the Crookshank name. Any comments? Yes, yes the Crookshank name. I'm glad you brought that up, man. On the internet, if you go everywhere and Google or whatever, Jamie Dundee, and it always says Jamie Crookshanks. The way Crookshanks came was my father was born William Crookshanks in a town called Dundee, Scotland, about 65 years ago. And he got on a boat and hid away in a boat and floated to Australia when he was 13 years old and joined the circus and the rest of the marriage history is Bill Dundee, the great wrestler today, but... When he was there, he married my mother, and they changed their name to Dundee before I ever came along. So I've never been a Crookshanks. I've always been Jamie Dundee. My passport says it. My green card says it. Social Security card says it. And my ID says it because, of course, I don't have no driver's license because I'm a wrestler, and that's what we do, I guess. But all I got says Dundee. So the Crookshanks thing, it, it is true. He is William Crookshanks. But for the rest of the smart marks in the world that want to do their shit, do it right. It is spelled C-R-U-I. C-K-S-H-A-N-K-S. And so if you're going to spell it, spell it right. And, and that's William, and I'm Jamie Dundee. So for the, all them smart marks, I'm glad you brought that up. My real last name is Dundee. I've always been Dundee. I've been to school as Dundee. So I am Jamie Dundee, so I'm sorry. And so I just want to clear that up, and I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks a lot, man. There you go. You see. Uh, let's talk about, how about the WWF? What is the story about the ring jacket war down to the ring for WrestleMania 13? What is the story about the what now? The jacket that you wore, your Nation of Domination jacket, down yeah. to uh, WrestleMania 13. What, what, I don't understand what you mean, what the story of it is. Um, I heard that there's, there's an interesting story going around about what happened to the jacket. I still have the jacket. Matter of fact, I have the jacket hanging right here in my closet right now, my Nation of Domination jacket, because I am going to start wearing it in the company I'm working for in Chicago. So I don't understand what nobody about no jacket. I got bum information. Well, give it to tell me what the story is you know. <laughs> Nothing else. It may go with another story that just wasn't about the jacket. Uh, no, I was just told to ask you about the jacket. but I don't know. All right. See, have you ever been to Japan? No, I've never been to Japan. I'm talking to Pondo Payne right now. I'm talking to Bull Buchanan right now. I've never been, and I just want to go one time. You know what I'm saying? Because Japan's tough, and I, and I don't want to go over there and get I don't want to be tough. I'm not tough. <laughs> so, so, I'm I'm assuming, tough. so I'm assuming it won't be big Japan. It would probably be all Japan. Right, and, and see, with my gimmick, what, like with me being the crazy little gimmick that I am, the, like when I went to Mexico, they said, we don't want you to be Mexican. We want you to do what you do. Because they'd never seen the fucking shit you do, Jamie Dundee, with microphones and just the little comedy shit I do and the kung fu spots and all the silly shit I do. And and so, like, when I used to work for Ian Rotten and things like that in that hardcore shit, when I went to the ring, they knew they weren't seeing that. They were seeing my southern entertainment funny bullshit matches that I had, which, I mean, I can, I can do all that, but why should I? I'm not going to. That's silly. <laughs> you know, because I like my dad's sixty-five, still doing this, and but I mean, I got to take my hat off to him. I'm only thirty-six. I don't, I won't be doing this after forty-five. But, but I still just, and like in the WWF, when you talk about them, that place there, 
what my problem was, and Wolfie got a lot of heat for coming with me, but which is I think is bullshit. If one partner does something wrong, you don't take it out on the other partner. I'm not saying Wolfie was no saint while we was there, I believe that. But when I went there as the rapper of the Nation Domination, you're supposed to go to the WWF when they first bring you in, and I guess you're supposed to just, you know, you hush and you sit there and you wait till somebody tells you something to do. Well, when I went there, everybody that's a star there, I knew my whole life. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Stone Cold, I managed when I was 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. That was Texas, right? Right, Texas, and then we were in right. Memphis, back and forth, both. Right. right. When we were doing both. The, the bus rides. Right. <laughs> the bus ride, right. That was a hell of a bus ride. Let me tell you, I love the hell out of it. But, but, and so, and then The Undertaker, I knew him when my, you know, my dad was a big booker in the 80s and said when all these guys got their starts and shit, you know what I'm saying? I was always hanging around, so I knew these guys when they were nothing, so I guess when I went in there and... Just went in there as me, Jamie Dundee, loud, bullshit, fucking around, always bullshitting, loud, obnoxious, whatever you want to call it to be. And and that got a lot of heat with a lot of people because uh, this guy coming in here thinking he's somebody. But like I said, man, you know, they called us. I didn't call them. I, I was happy being the USWA Tag Team Champions and wrestling ECW on the weekends. I was fine with all that. I, they called me, but, I mean, I appreciate the money. I went up there and did what I did, but, I mean, I, I guess I didn't play the politics part and kiss enough ass or something. I don't know how that whole thing played out. Well, you mentioned ECW. Yeah. Did any of your checks bounce? Never. But see, this is the reason. I never had a check, and I got paid for my pay-per-view, and I got paid for every shot I ever made. But the reason I think that, because see, that's, I mean, I'm going to get on that in just a minute. Me, when me and Wolfie went there, I all, Tommy Dreamer was my friend also. Mm-hmm. Tommy Dreamer was a big mark and still is until you today for Southern Wrestling, for Lance Russell, Dave Brown, Jerry Lala, Bill Dundee, Austin Idol, all that. So when he got to come work USWA and just meet my dad and, you know, he came to my house and stayed with me and met my mother and just, so he became, my, you know, my friend more than a wrestler. And so when I worked ECW, he would say, Jamie, I'm flying you in. Here's your tickets. Boom, boom, boom. As soon as I would land, Tommy Dreamer would hand me my money. Me and Wolfie would get our money right then. Because, I mean, we didn't work for him enough where Paulie, you know, would pay me shit. But that's what I don't understand about how, how would, how can any of them big stars, Sabu's and, Van Dams and Bigelow's and guys like that do have somebody owe you for ten or fifteen pay per views? How, how how does that happen? Why why are you still doing the pay per views? You know, oh, exactly. So I, yeah. I don't know. You can't be mad at Paul Heyman. Hey, you got to be mad at the people drinking the Kool Aid, not the man that made it. You're damn right. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Paul Heyman, well, I mean, shit, I do the rest of the business. These, nobody's your friend. Nobody likes you. Everybody wants what you got. You know what I'm saying? And 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 it's a fucking piece of shit world, man. People will connive and lie and I mean it sucks, but but so I don't why I just don't can't understand how they can all still complain. I mean I love Sabu, he's one of my best buddies in the world. I love him to death. But I, I would think how how can Sabu let Paulie Dangerously owe him fucking hundred and fifty thousand dollars and still go out to the ring? I have to agree. So how did you end up hooking up with ECW? Well me and, see, this is the thing that I if all, there's any young wrestlers who's listening today, this is what, what, what happens to you in, in our world. And me even being Bill Dundee's son, seeing it happen to a million guys, never know what's happening to You don't know that you are over in a company until right before the run's over. Does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. Like me and Wolfie never caught on after we were first and second match that when we were in the main event wrestling Tommy Rich and Doug Gilbert and Memphis was packed. I mean, but I mean, we had help. We had Brian Christopher against Billy Jack Haynes. It ain't just one match that ever builds the card, but the main event is the one that sells the house when you look at wrestling. 
And and you never, you know, one time I finally looked at Wolfie and I said, damn, man, this building's fucking slammed. And and he said, it sure is. I said, man, they here to see us, Wolfie. It finally dawns on you, but the run's damn near over, so you get screwed out of all your money, and they bullshit you and connive you and lie to you, and then once you, before you realize it's too late. And so ECW would called me and Wolfie when we were hot, and Randy Hale said, oh, there's a company calling y'all called ECW, but... But, you know, this is home, and there's no loyalty bullshit back in that day. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Daddy been here 30 years, blah, blah, blah. So we never really talked to him because they wanted us to come in and work with Public Enemy. We didn't talk to him. But then finally, when Lawler did something with Paul E or just showed up at a thing, they brought five of them guys down, Paul E, Sandman, Dreamer, Taz, and somebody else. And so me and Wolfie, I talked to Paul E. And I'm like, hey, man, we'd like to work for y'all, blah, blah, blah. And so then that's how we got hooked up with him and started booking. We didn't go all the time. We went a lot of weekends, you know, Friday nights and stuff after, in 97, after we got working with the WWF on Mondays, we just quit working for Lawler on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and just did WWF Monday Night Rawls, and then Friday, Saturday, ECW. Mm-hmm. So that was arena shots, and I'm assuming New York, probably? Yeah, New York, with the WWF, yeah, I mean, no, Philly, the Philadelphia Arena. It was Saturdays, yeah. Philadelphia Arena, and then Friday nights we would be sometimes at a dog track in New Jersey or wherever the fuck there was. And we went a bunch of places, it seemed like, on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then always at the Philadelphia Arena on Saturday. So when when you guys first showed up in uh, ECW, who were you working with? Well, when, well, they did the thing. When they brought us in, they brought us in to work with the Eliminators, Perry right. Saturn and John Cronus, because they were their tag champs because – we when they, the Eliminators were in USWA in '97, coming through, and me and Wolfie did a little program with them, and we beat them. I, that's the day I came back from Puerto Rico, and they put the belts on me and Wolfie. The Eliminators left and went to ECW, and so we showed TV clippings where the only team they never beat was PG-13. So they brought us in to start working with the Eliminators, but then the Gangsters came back in, and then Perry hurt his leg, so they put us with just like Nova and. Mikey Whipwreck and Spike Dudley to do the Southern Entertainment shit mm-hmm. first. So, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going through um, results from ECW in April of '97. Am I getting warm? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. '97, '96, '97. Yeah. And there was a lot of times in there when Wolfie didn't go, and I, I would go single. Me and right. me and Candido did a little thing, and just. Different shit because I went up there and started helping run the wrestle school in Long Island, and so I would just be on a lot of the shots around there that they didn't fly guys in for and shit. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. That's cool. Me and my buddy Mike Anthony, who's dead now. But I miss Mike. you, my brother. Mike Lazanski. He was really underrated, wasn't he? Very so underrated, and that is my like my best friend in the whole world. Like I see, you don't have friends in wrestling. He's but see, that's what's wrong with my business, and that's. All my friends are dead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I out, of, out of the out of the 65 wrestlers dead in the last 10 years, 30 of them were my friends. Because you know that we run the rows together and no secrets with each other. You know what I'm saying? But now all I have left is like Doug Gilbert, Brian Christopher, Wolfie D. I mean, that's it's it's sad because it just ain't everybody's dead, man. <laughs> it's terrible, man. You know? Yeah, I hear you. It's, it's fucking terrible, you. and it's, that's. It's getting it's, it's getting to the point where I don't want to wake up in the morning and and look at the Observer website and you know you you just never know who's going to pop up there. No, and but I mean and and it's just fucking crazy too, man. That 
I don't know. And look, speaking of that right here, I'm going to read you something that came into the mail to me the other day. Sure. I, I was fired from the WWF in 1997. This letter comes to my mailbox. To Mr. Jamie Dundee. Dear Jamie Dundee and family, on September 17, 2007, stated, Over the last 10 years, an ordinary number of wrestlers have passed away. Some of those deaths may, in part, have been caused by drugs and alcohol. In an effort to help prevent such tragedies in the future, the WWE is offering to pay for your drug and alcohol rehabilitation treatment center chosen by the WWE for any performer with the prior WWE booking contract who may need this service. The WWE will pay for this service in full. There is no cost to you or your family. Help will be provided regardless of the circumstances of your departure from the WWE. And if the amount of time you performed in the WWE, if you do not have a drug and alcohol problem, you do not know a form... If you do not have a drug and alcohol problem, but you know a former WWE performer that does, we are asking you to try to help him by encouraging him to take advantage of this opportunity. Liz DiFiabio has appointed our representative in the matter, and Liz has been in the company for 24 years. She understands the emotions and the individuals of each family. So Liz is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week at a 1-800 number. And in any instance, the individual needs help. We will want to rehabilitate you. And it says, this service is being provided to the performers of WWE booking contract only, not for family members or friends. So please reach out if you need this help. Liz is, Liz is here for you if you think you might have a drug or alcohol problem. If, if you know someone who does, we all need to do everything we can to help prevent another tragedy. Sincerely, Vincent K. McMahon. Wow. You, you got one of... really gives a fuck if I call him right now at that 1-800 number? Probably not. I'm but. damn near ready to have you call it on this radio show and see if the Liz even answers. You know what I mean? <laughs> see how, how sick and fucked up our world is? He thinks if he sends that out to every wrestler that ever worked for him, then he did his part. No. My point is, why didn't you send that out to every wrestler when you knew they had the fucking drug problem before they were all dead? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like he don't know. I would like to... Personally, thank you for reading that letter on the air. No, I don't um, mind. I mean, he sent it to me and every other performer, so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's public knowledge. It's not like, I, you know what I'm saying? Fuck him. But do you think he really gives a shit if I call him right now and say, okay, hey, I'm getting drunk in a bu- thing in Louisville and I got a drinking problem? Do you think? No. That's I, just, that's sick, man. That's fucking sick, you know? That's just a public relations of move course. on his part. So he can say on CNN, I did my part. I offered it. it ain't, I, could, I can't make him take it. Why didn't you offer that to every one of them boys that are dead today when you knew they had it when you fucking did the gimmick rehab for six times and four times and seen the guys passed out in dressing rooms and in the fucking floor and in the bar as long as you just go to the ring and, you know, break your body down and fucking sell your soul. He don't care, and that's, you know, that's terrible. But I wanted to read that. I found that, and I was glad I had that in my briefcase, and I knew you was calling. I'm like, I'm going to let the whole world hear this because not many people got these. You know, because, hell, most of them are dead that he was really sending this to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's what. Well, since since we're we're on the, the subject, what are your feelings about uh, drug abuse in the business? See, it's like anything you do. Some people abuse the Internet. Some people abuse pornography. Some people abuse gambling. People abuse every, you know, everyone has something that they abuse, but, Drug abuse is up to each individual, but I'm going to tell you this. In the wrestling business, it's really, really fucking easy to get it because of the, quote, quote, celebrity status. Mm-hmm. 
I ain't going to name no names on this story, I'm going to tell you, but I'll, it, it, for TNA wrestling, I'll just give you that part. Uh, a cocaine dealer says to me, Jamie Dundee, I want to meet this wrestler. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you give me an eight ball of cocaine, and I'll be right back. And I went to that wrestler and went in his little special office, and I said, hey, brother, take this eight ball. This kid's going to come in. He said, all right, Jamie. I brought the kid in. He's like, oh, man, I'm so proud to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And so... I tell the kid, well, I need an eight ball, too, for bringing you in. He gives me an eight ball, and then he stays, and he takes me and this guy out, and he does fucking ounces of cocaine with us, literally an ounce of cocaine with us. And, and see, you see, because of the stardom and the starstruck part that they have, that, that, that it's so simple, it's so easy. Not, and it's everywhere. It don't matter who you are. It's everywhere. If you work at McDonald's, somebody will, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's everywhere. But but in our business, man, and so, but I, I don't blame the business because I've seen it in the rock and roll world. I've seen it in the... Racing world, I've seen it. You know, what I'm saying it's 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 with the celebrity status part, but it's up to each individual to choose whether they do it or not. I have to agree. Um, I am getting a little feedback from um, our listeners that are listening live. If you can raise your voice a bit, sure, I'd greatly appreciate that. Oh hell, Jamie! Now Jamie Dundee raises his voice. I bet there's a volume button on this phone or something. Let me say volume. <laughs> How's that? Is that better? Anybody like that better? That's good. Is that much better? Thank you, sir. You're quite welcome, sir. All right. Now we're going to have a little fun. Um, What do you think of the Colorado kid, Mike Rapata? (laughs) And and remember... Remember, we only shoot here on Rubber Guard. I understand, and uh, I've never been one to say nothing about somebody on DVD or radio or anywhere that I wouldn't say to them. Right. The the, (sighs) Mike Rapata. My opinion of Mike Rapata is he's... It, it started out all wrong for that kid. He was already cloned as Burt Prentice's little bitch boy. You know what I'm saying? From the get-go. He, he, I think he worked hard. He tried hard. He, he, uh, he, I think, uh, uh, God, man, that's a hell of a question, man, because <laughs> David Dundee ain't never been tongue-tied and stuttered, man. Well, okay, the the, the reason I brought, I brought it up is that um, Mike is living in the San Diego area now. And he has a school, and there are some friends of the show. Um, you know, I support some indies down there and some indie workers and trainers and whatnot, and they have heat with them. Right. So now it seems to be the standard question, you know, what do you think of Rapata? My opinion of Mike Rapata. Mike Rapata came through Nashville, Tennessee. He, this, is, this is the way I feel about Mike Rapata. I really don't know him. I met him a few times. I feel he came through. He was, bit, he was Burt Prentice's boyfriend. He lived with the guy. We're in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They convinced Lawler to put the world title on him for a minute. It fucking killed Jonesboro, Arkansas, deader than hell. Fucking 700 people down to 120. And and, and he was put in places just because he was Burt's boy is the way I see it and the way I feel it was. And it may not be true. That's the way I see it. That's the way that everybody in Tennessee sees it. And I'm not knocking the guy. If that's his thing, go ahead. There's been a million of them that's blowed somebody or jacked somebody off to go to the top and make do whatever. But I... I mean, I just, to me, he didn't earn shit. I don't know where he come from. I didn't think he was really a good worker at all, really, to tell you the truth. I mean, I like the guy as a person. I met him a few times. I hung around with him a few times as a person. I liked him. But as a pro wrestler, I don't know. He, he's where he ought to be. He's some fucking where running a, some kind of wrestling school. You know what I'm saying? You don't hear his name again. Cause he's a, but, I mean, it's, what, if that's his thing, well, so be it. But, you know, that's my opinion on the guy. I don't know him well, but I know that's the reputation he's got in in the South where we all from. There you go. You know. Well, you mentioned him. Any Burt Prentice stories? Oh, I love Burt Prentice. Brother Love, I love him. I love him. I mean, I got nothing bad to say about the guy. 
He's a hustler. He's a he's queer. I don't I don't know if he's queer. I ain't never seen him with a with a guy or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Just I don't like hang out with him. But I've known brothers love Bert. My brother love Bert Prentice. He, what was he? Christopher Love. Christopher Love. Yeah. In Texas when I was a kid. You know I ain't. But I mean there's a bunch of queers in Razzle. The queers don't bother me. They know I ain't queer. Yeah. Yeah. He was. So hell, I ain't queer. I sucked the one. I didn't like it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it to be queer this day. There you go. Yeah, he's solid. You know, he's he's a con man. He's a conniving con man, motherfucker. I got to give him credit there. He robs Peter to pay Paul. He hustles and connives and jives. And but I guess that's what all wrestlers do. Vincent there you man go. Didn't become Vincent Man without being fucking a hustler and a conniver and a jiver and conning and swindling and jiving and juking and talking and stalking. You know. Well, Vince Vince is the ultimate. So. Of course, uh, I mean, I, he don't give a fuck what I say about him. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I mean, he don't give a fuck. Mm. So, let's get into uh, some PG-13 questions here. All right. There ought to be a bunch of them. Well, I, I, I've i heard on your past interviews that one of your favorite matches is the Monday Night uh, Memory show, uh, show from Louisville with the Rock and Roll Express. Texas yeah, that, Death yeah Match. that was called Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Louisville Legends. Legends that's yes, right. we have Monday Night Memories, the Monday Night Four, then Louisville Legends. That's right. That was that. I guess that that has to be my favorite match because that to me is just like when Andre passed the torch to Hogan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But the Rock and Roll Express. You're talking about guys that my dad was a booker for, and I was a fucking six, seven year old kid, and I watched them become the Rock and Roll Express and, and the run they had, and they were always around. Cause like like I said in my shoot interviews and shit, when, when I was growing up wrestling, we were a mafia. And the only fucking people that were around, it was the Rock and Roll Express, my brother-in-law, beautiful Bobby Eaton, with my sister, who's Donna. And, oh, yeah, while I'm on that subject, uh, their daughter had a, a a baby boy about three weeks ago, so I'm a great uncle, so I got to say hey to my little homie, little Ethan. I love you, Taryn. I love you, Donna and Bobby. All right, now that's over. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, no doubt. And so, God bless. It was always the rock and roll, the midnight. My dad, these are the people I remember growing up with, you know, always around. I remember when I was a 14 year old kid, 13 year old kid in Charlotte when my dad was booking that, the rock and roll, and Bobby and my sister, and all of them wanted to go out for New Year. And like everybody, they're all like, here, Jamie, we'll give you 100 bucks. You stay home. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll stay home, baby. She get five kids for 100 bucks. Get us five and all. Hell yeah. You know, 14 year old kid. I mean, the rock and roll express were like, you know, when I was a kid, they were the shit to me. So that's what, when me and Wolfie wanted to be PG-13, we said we need to be the Rock and Roll Express of the 90s. It was 1992 when we started doing this little gimmick, 93, when we get, presented it to Jarrett. And, and that's what we were. We were two little white, young rapper kids. We were the Rock and Roll Express of the 90s. So when we got to work with them on that Louisville Legends, and that building was packed, man. It was, a, you know, a legend show, and there was everybody there. And when, when we beat them and that building erupted, it that, to me, was the great, you know what I'm saying? Even though we're working, even though, you know, the world knows we're working. I mean, you know that, but but for them to pass that torch to me and Wolfie, it was just one of the greatest films. That's why I say it's the greatest match of my life. And I'm going to tell you this, I couldn't keep up with them. Yeah. They they blowed me up. I was 27, 28, and Wolfie's, and they, they were 40-something. And, you know, that we, was oh, definitely man. a brilliant match. It was a fucking one of ah. the best matches I've Yeah, it was really good. And, but that's why that's my greatest match because those were my heroes. Them and the Road Warriors. I was a little kid, the Road Warriors were my heroes. Then we got to work with them on the Monday Night Raw. That was fucking the greatest to me in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Have you ever seen a better baby face than Ricky Morton? 
No, I haven't, and I'm no. because I, I mean, throughout like when when I grew up in wrestling, you know, there was no cable TV. So when my dad changed territories, that's how you saw that person. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I never heard of Hulk Hogan or WWF or none of that shit. You know what I'm saying? I knew I knew the Nashville wrestling, I knew the North Carolina wrestling, and I knew a little Florida wrestling and Louisiana wrestling, mid south. You know what I'm saying? I never knew there was more wrestling, but but Ricky Morton is the reason Ricky Morton is the best baby face is because. Ricky Morton can sell, man, and selling is what makes baby faces get over. Mm-hmm. And 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 just you know that's yeah you're right. Ricky Morton has to be the best baby face, and then the best professional wrestler in our business, bar none, is my brother-in-law, beautiful Bobby. Eaton. There has nobody ever been as graceful or as good as him in the fucking wrestling ring, and he was always underrated and never gave enough credit to you know. Mm-hmm. I'll. Be honest, I have yet to see a bad Bobby Eaton match. You never will see that. Bobby Eaton can fucking work a broomstick and make that son of a bitch look great. Bobby Eaton is the, the best professional wrestler in our business. I mean, they, well, that's why they got him to be the one to go fucking put the suit on and make the moves for the doll, for the video games. Remember how they used to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Bo- yeah, it was Bobby and fucking Justin Incredible went up, last LaRue a couple of times, but always with Bobby because he is the greatest professional wrestler. That's the way I would see that. You know, who else would you want to do the moves that they're going to put on a digital camp, digital to put into a video game, you know? Yep. yep. Oh, well, since we're talking about Bobby, um, Bobby and Stan or Bobby and Dennis? Which which uh, duo did you prefer? Well, man, that's a damn good question, bro. You're you a hell of an interviewer. Most people don't <laughs> throw them questions like that at me, man. You throw me one old microphone and now this one, because that's... I've never been asked that question. You know, damn, Bobby or Dennis or Bobby and Stan. And then I'll answer after you. Okay. To me, working-wise, Bobby and Dennis. For the time when they did it right, Bobby and Stan because of the flash and the and the cable publicity and all that shit. Mm-hmm. So to me... That's a fucking that that's a hell of a question. That's fifty fifty. I I got to go with Bobby and Dennis for the working better because Stan mm-hmm. Lane's never been the greatest worker in the fucking world. Right. But as far as the charisma and and the and the flash and the t- the cable TV in the new world, I gotta go Bobby and Stan. So that's that's. But damn, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> you damn, <laughs> you damn well, man, I ain't gonna fuck with you no more, KG man. Damn, I thought I was gonna breeze through this. You throwing me some good shit here, man. All right, my my answer. Okay. Is Bobby and Dennis. Because no matter how many times I look at Stan, I will see the Fabs. The Fabs, right. Because I, I grew up here outside San Francisco, and after San Francisco died, we got burned with AWA. And the Fabs were in, and they were doing this thing with the Road Warriors, and that, that was just a glorious time. And whenever I see Stan Lane, I picture him with the black long tights with the... The the little uh, the uh, little the thunderbolt down or lightning bolt lightning down the side. Uh, that's right. That's right. So it's it's kind of a kind of a different answer for you. Right, but see, right, but see, a lot of people don't know the Fabs. I mean, does that make sense? When when Bobby and Stan were the midnight, a lot of people that were there don't know the Fabs. But but their mom and daddies was telling them kids, hey, they used to be the Fabs. You see what I'm saying? Because they're that that's just like when when I when I me and my dad wrestle now for the kids that grew up on PG thirteen and they're all twenty years old twenty two twenty three years old now their mom and daddy told them 
I was building these boys. Now they tell everybody that that's Jamie's dad. You see, do you understand what I'm saying? How, oh yeah. How, how that's it's, it's just like all right for the perfect example. It's the time wise. It's the generation gaps. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. You see the fab, but to me, asking me as a wrestler, who was better? Bobby and Dennis were definitely better as as a tag team together with the working and bumping ability, but Bobby and Stan were the flashy ones. But I understand exactly what you're saying. You mm-hmm. made your choice because he is always going to be the fast. Exactly. Right. But see, also with, with either combination, it's it's do you want vanilla ice cream today or do you want chocolate ice cream? It's, of course. Of course. It, it's all yummy. You get your money's worth. But the reason being is because Bobby is going to do all the work. <laughs> I mean, honestly, to, to be the fucking truthful, so that's the reason you're going to get your money's worth because Bobby's going to do all the work anyway. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> All righty. Let's, uh, let's grab another question. Oh, any rap stories? Any, excuse me? Any rap stories? Rap. And I don't mean the ones that are crawling uh, up in the roof of the uh, world-class uh, sportatorium. Ring oh, rap. You mean rap stories? Rap, rap, rap. Oh, you mean like uh, girls that earn that name that come to wrestling? That that, that kind of rap? Yes. I mean, in, unless you want to talk about Burt Prentice's type of rat. Well, Burt Prentice's rat is a gerbil, because queers like gerbils, because that's what they said about the one guy. Put the gerbil in his ass, remember? What was his name? Richard Gere? Yeah, there you go. So gerbils, I guess. So, oh, hey, rat no San Francisco comments, Jamie. Do I? No comments about San Francisco, brother. No, no, I love San Francisco, man. I've been out there before, but nobody would sell me no marijuana, because I was like, because I... had a mohawk and tattoos and talk like this. Like, y'all get some weed, and everybody just ran away and shit. I said, damn. <laughs> really, I guess they were just tripping on me. But oh, rat stories! Golly, yeah. let me see, man. I have thousands of them. That's why I got five kids in five states and shit. That you know of, right? Yeah, yeah. I bet I got a couple of Mexican, a couple of Puerto Ricans, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, maybe one in Australia when I was fifteen. But anyway, rat stories. Damn, I, I damn that though. Well, I mean, what kind of stories you want? I have hundreds of them. But I mean. Hold on, here y'all got to just go with me. My buddies are here from the concert. I just got to open the door and let them in while we finish this radio show. Okay. Sure, no problem. This is the show, man. All right, man. So rat stories. Let me think. I mean, man, you're you're fucking me up, KZ. All right, rat stories. I mean, damn. See, you okay, well. You can give me a question of one you've heard that I did, like shaved or put no. elevator center to the lobby floor and all that shit. Or all right, how, how about we go by town? What town, other than Louisville? We know Louisville has the best rats in the world. Other than Louisville, has the best rats in the world. Where besides Louisville has the best rats in the world? Yeah, because we know Louisville is the well, the, but see, the, the Louisville, queen city. Louisville so. is the town in in. In PG-13, Brian Christopher, Doug Gilbert run in our, but in my dad and Lawler and all them's run, it, the shit was in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, but man, where's the best rats, man? Oh, God, I would have to say, because see, ECW, that was one thing I used to say to them boys. God, y'all don't, y'all, y'all, I mean, y'all draw good, but y'all don't know what wrestling's about. There ain't no pussy in this crowd. None. Mm-hmm. There ain't a fucking chick in this crowd. If it is, she's got her girlfriend with her. So, I mean, this, you ain't getting fucking laid up north in them ECW crowds. And so, I, besides Louisville, I would say Nashville for me and Wolfie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, every wrestler had their different spot, you know, because different wrestlers were over, like, you know, in the 70s, 70s and 80s. Bill Dundee was over in Nashville. Lawler was over in Memphis, but they're on the same TV in the same loop. 
You know what I'm saying? But the building they always called National Home and Lawler called Memphis Home. So their rats were, I mean, so my favorite rats besides Louisville, Kentucky, because Louisville, Kentucky had the best. But see, I don't call them rats. They're, they're, they're good ladies, man. <laughs> I have to agree. I they mean, take care of you. They feed you. They have you in their homes. Yeah, fuck yes, they do. And, and you know, and, and you know what? If you want to keep them, they're not rats because you just you're the only one that goes by there every week. Mm-hmm. You know. So, but so, cause that's a bad name to call because that's a hard that's a name you got to earn. You know. <laughs> that shit ain't just giving out or nothing. I heard that. I heard that. So, <clears throat> let's see. Okay, I don't want to dip into your childhood. Well, you can dip into anything, man. Well, actually, I'm dipping into a little gimmick right now, but we'll kayfabe that. Yeah, we'll kayfabe that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to smoke this joint here with my boys. Just don't tell my wife. I won't tell your wife. <laughs> when I wake her up in the morning, I'll tell her to go on home, and I won't tell her. <laughs> just leave. Just make sure you leave a 20 on the You damn on right. The All I'm right. a good dude like that. I have. No, no i got to leave a 20. Well, yeah. Hell no, broke-ass fucking wrestler, man. I can't leave no $20. I've had a motherfucker rob me one time, put $10 in my billfold and give it back. That's what he did, right there in Nashville. That's good. That's funny. That That's one I've never heard. Oh, yeah, that's that's real. Yeah, that's classic. Motherfucker robbed me, they'll put $10 in my billfold and give it back. <laughs> All right. So, let's see. Do you have any uh, Jeff Jarrett stories? I have any Jeff Jarrett stories. I From, not, not not current, but I mean back in the day. Yeah, back in the day stories, sure. Jeff Jarrett, uh, he, me and him, he didn't really like me. Well, he was raised by his mom. Like I said, in our day, our, our, our fucking family was, the wrestlers were mafia. I grew up, you know, Brian Christmas was around, or Jesse James, or The Rocks, or uh, The Armstrongs, or The Gilberts. Or, you know, everywhere we went, it was just my dad hanging out with the wrestlers and my mom hanging out with their moms and all us kids fucking, you know, doing whatever it was we was doing, stealing their shit or whatever it was we was doing. And so, who am I talking about, Jeff Jarrett? Mm-hmm. See? So Jeff was kind of raised in the, and he went to a little Christian school and played basketball shit, so I didn't really meet Jeff till I was about 15. And I'd already been managing, and that's when they did the thing with my dad and Buddy Landell, and they beat Jeff up, and Jerry Jarrett made the save, and... He was a referee, and they turned him into a wrestler and stuff. That was the at the peak of the uh, Buddy and Bill show, right? The Buddy and Bill show was. Oh, was that, was that classic show? shit or what? I'll tell you something. The Buddy and Bill show was the greatest fuck oh. ever done, man. I mean, if Bill Dundee wasn't my dad, I wouldn't give a fuck. I would still say this: Bill Dundee versus Jerry Lawler is the greatest wrestling match you will ever see anywhere. But Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell together were the fucking they they were the hottest shit going, man. You know, that was classic shit. Why did it end? Huh? Why did it end? Why did it end? Because... Didn't Buddy uh, move to the Carolinas? Yeah, if I remember Buddy, right? Buddy Landell, Buddy Landell had the world and lost it quick. Buddy Landell had it lost it quicker than Tommy Rich. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, Buddy Landell was going to be the next nature boy. They were probably building him to take him to Charlotte to work the nature boys was the whole deal, but he fucking kept doing that coke, man, and not showing up and disappearing and all that shit. Oh, they had they had it set up for T V, ready to go. Yeah, oh man, it was it was yeah, yeah, it was it was good shit. And but the Bill and Buddy, that's classic. That's funny you said that, man. You're from California and you fucking know the Bill and Buddy show? Yes sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely. I I, I know my shit. <laughs> but you know, that's part of being a tape trader. Yeah, and about Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, I thought was always he 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 got to me. Jeff Jeff was a good wrestler. Jeff, but 
But Jeff got fucked up from the beginning because it's called Jarrett Promotions and he wrestled as Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> and when you in Memphis, man, and you got fucking 16,000 niggas in Memphis in the building, they don't want to fucking, they don't like no blonde-haired, blue-eyed, already millionaire. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the way they saw it. His daddy owned the company. He's already a millionaire. So they wouldn't get, they didn't get with Jeff like they should. All the girls love Jeff and a lot of dudes, but, I mean, they didn't get with Jeff like they should because he was fucking a blonde-haired, blue-eyed millionaire and his daddy owned the company, so they all expected him to be the world champion or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Jeff. I got nothing bad to say about Jeff. Like on my shoot tapes, I said, I get to talk about Jeff before I realize that he's the one that gave me my start in USWA when me and Wolfie came. He was the one that saw us and brought us there. Then he took us to WCW. You know, so, I mean, I ain't got nothing bad to say about Jeff. I've never never really liked liked his work. He's he's solid, but he's never been... He's nothing extravagant. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant by that. He's nothing. He's just another wrestler. Yeah, and he was always put in them spots because of who his daddy was or who he knew, and you know what I'm saying. He never. He, but I mean, I love Jeff to death, and he's worth millions, so he don't give a shit what I'm saying either. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Alrighty, alrighty. I'm going to play a quick commercial. All right, play a commercial. I'm going to pee anyway. How long? Alrighty. How long is the commercial? Uh, about a minute. A minute. All right, because I got 2.2 seconds on TV commercial. You got it. All right, be right back. So if you hate the stuff today but love the old stuff, the Carl Stern shows are for you. CarlStern.com. And guess what, Fatso? I'm the world champion. Runs down the history of wrestling. CarlStern.com. Now, for a lot of you people out there, that's a real hard neck to swallow. Talks about stuff largely that happened before 1989. And the whole goddamn world goes for the Carl Stern Show, carlstern.com. So if you hate the stuff today, right, hello, the, I'm back, the back. Carl Stern Shows are for you. carlstern.com. You want all the money, you want all the glory, you want to fly first class, you want to all the stuff on my purse. You don't deserve it. Woo! Dude, with the good with beard, you can go have fun with him. You don't want <laughs> We're back. All right, what's up, man? <laughs> we'll kayfabe that. Oh, well, I don't care. <laughs> It's all good. Got my name all on the good. bottle. <laughs> all right, uh, we're gonna play a little game called name name association. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a name to you. Yeah. And you give me the first thing that pops into your head. I say the first thing that pops into my head. Yes, sir. Oh my God! What are we talking? All right, name game. You gonna name something? And the first thing that pops in my head, I'm gonna tell you about. Billy Billy Joe Travis. Love him. Billy Joe. Dead and gone. God bless him. Were you in the studio when they did the child support angle? Well, he got arrested? Yeah, yeah. That was insane. That was great. That was just... But like like you said, that that the the thing that made Memphis, you know, pretty cool as far as a product is they took, you know, real-life stuff and they worked it into the show. We did the one with my dad and Wolfie with the knife where he tried to stab him. That was all mm-hmm. So, I mean, we do we do all that. We do it all. Me and my dad did. I did the one where I said, man, that's why my mama left your sorry ass, man, because you're a fucking asshole. And then, you know, when I was just a kid and turned on him and started my little ice stable and beat Bill up. and all, I mean, because that's what draws money, though. That's why they don't draw money today. Exactly. Because I mean, you got... we sold our product, the reason I could sell you my interview was because it was fucking true, and I knew what I was saying, and I was really talking. That's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now it's just, you know, 
Hollywood TV writers writing his bullshit. I mean, I can't even stomach it. No, it's, it's terrible. It's fucking garbage, man. It's bad. But I mean, it's, it's got to go back like it was, man. It, it can't hold on like that forever. It's got to go back. I think it will when the government gets involved and... and but, God, what does it take to get the to government to get involved? Fucking Benoit slaughtered his whole fucking family and killed himself. What, 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 what does it take to get them involved? There you go. I mean, that's, I said the reason we can't have a union is because, and I don't blame them, like I said... It's a fucking dog-eat-dog world, and if I'm Shawn Michaels or The Rock or The Undertaker, I'm not going to join a union so Jamie Dundee and Wolfie D and Bill Dundee can have a fucking piece of your pension. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Have a piece of your millions, because we're all in the union, and we all work together, and that's why you'll never... We don't have insurance. We don't have benefits. We don't have fucking nothing. There you go. You know, we have absolutely nothing, and, and it, it's they use you and abuse you until you... I mean, fuck, we killed Owen Hart, man. They killed Owen Hart and rolled him out of the ring and sent another match to the ring. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? We killed a motherfucker. But it doesn't matter because it's wrestling. The world doesn't understand. It's wrestling. And it's, it's fucking crazy. If that happened on a basketball court or a football court, I mean, when look what all the shit they've done in NASCAR since Earnhardt died. Yeah, exactly. The same thing. Well, Owen Hart has fucking died and fell out of our ceiling, and our business ain't no different than it is fucking now. And I'm like, why hasn't somebody come in here and said, look, this is what we got to do? Because, I mean, fuck, man, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking that once the government steps in and, and starts fucking with Vince, they're going to, you know, try to, <clears throat> excuse me, regulate more. You know, like, you know, back in the day, you'd have to apply for a license and whatnot, you know, to manage or, or, or to work. Right. So hopefully this will, you know, turn things back. Yeah, but see... Take, take some of it from Vince and go back to the territories. Right, but see, that's that's why, see, when the fucking commissioners were all in, all made and, and the you know, you had to buy a license and all that shit, them guys really worked. If I paid my fucking $75 for my license to be a wrestler for a year in Kentucky and I wrestled for you and you didn't pay me, I would go to the commissioner and say, hey, fucking KZ didn't pay me and two other dudes. He would come to you and say, look, if you don't give these guys your money, we're taking your license for a promoter. You're not running no fucking more. Mm. I mean, they did things for you. The commissioner was in the fucking thing. If he thought they took your blood pressure, they, you know what I'm saying? They did shit. They, mm-hmm. they, now did the commissioners do a fucking thing? Nothing. They don't do nothing. They just come and fucking take your money and go away and they, you can't call them or nothing. The the exception to that rule is Maryland. Well, you're right, but I'm just saying Maryland well, is the exception. Yeah. And and I'm hoping that that the business turns around and that they the government models you know commissions and whatnot after what they've done in Maryland. Right. I mean, you you see guys getting blood pressure checked and now, you know. Go city man. They had fucking two doctors in the dressing room and they did everything for you. If you got your head busted, they sewed it up. They stitched mm-hmm. it. They alcohol it. They fucking. They treated you, you know, if you hurt your shoulder, they'd give you uh, the acupuncture and all kinds. They tested it. I mean, they every dressing room, they had it. It was fucking, that's what it should be, man. It's everywhere else, but you go to Vince's fucking buildings, it ain't, there ain't nobody nowhere. They're all fucking working in gimmicks, you know what I'm saying? Ambulances and shit to run to the ring. They're not really there to fucking, they don't test nobody or, you know, and that's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be athletes, treat us like athletes. If we're entertainment, leave us the fuck alone and go away. We can't be exactly. both. Exactly. You know, they don't show up and fucking test Molly Cruz heart before they fucking get on stage. You know what I'm saying? If that's entertainment. If we're entertainment, then let us be entertainment. If we're fucking athletes, then give us what athletes get. Give us benefits. Give us pensions. Give us fucking plans. Give it, you know what I'm saying? Well, I do have a listener call here, uh, or a question from a listener. Um, 
when you were uh, doing the thing in Smoky Mountain yeah. with the USWA Smoky Feud. Yeah, um, that was classic. Great shit. You worked in a town called Barberville, Kentucky? Kentucky, sure. I've been there any, any memories of the fans? Do I remember the fans in Barberville, Kentucky? Yeah, the, the type of heat, atmosphere, and whatnot. Yeah. I can tell you that, that uh, that's anywhere if you go up in that eastern Kentucky, bro. That's some crazy-ass wild folk up there, man, and they will fight you. But, see, that's what our business was back then because we believed in, and if you was a heel, if you didn't fucking fight on your way back from the ring, you didn't have no heat. That's the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. And when I used to go to them towns up there, man, I had to fight my way back from the ring. And But, I mean, that's but that's when this when wrestling was wrestling, man. And I don't even know how to explain it now. It's, it's wrestling's a they call it a fucking joke now. What they do is hard. I'm, it's hard. It hurts me. It kills my body and my fucking tears me up. But the world just thinks it's bullshit and gimmick. But just you know, then nobody. I don't. I don't know, brother. It's just yeah, I, hurting, man. I definitely do miss Smoky Mountain. That was just you know wrestling the way it should have been. Right. You know, and that I think that was the 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 last of the dying breed. Well, see, that's where I started when my dad, when I was 15 years old, my dad was running a company for a guy named Ron Fuller, and it was when Continental was running out of Alabama, and they split. Ron Fuller started Knoxville Territory, and it was mm-hmm. what Smoky Mountain became. Right. And we run that 87, 88, 89, and then Ron Fuller just said, that's enough, i made enough money, I'm closing. See, boys, me and my wife's retiring to the Keys or something, and that was it. And we went back to Jared's, and I started doing the managership there in 89, but that, that that's great. That's some fucking great wrestling territory up there, man. And that's why I say I don't know why all these guys shut them down and just go for Vince. You know, I don't understand why they did that because they were doing good business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, everything, the whole run for Smokey was solid. Solid. I mean, everything that was done meant something, you know, top to bottom. Well, you know, obviously I'm a little biased. I love Corny. Yeah, I love but. Corny. Corny got me, and Wolf. Corny was the one Wolfie was talking to that got us our WWF job. There you Corny, go. You know, Corny's married Bobby, managed Bobby since I was a kid. You know, Corny took pictures in Memphis when my dad was over. You know, I've known Corny my whole entire life. Well, we're there. Let's talk about Corny. Okay. When did you first meet him? I met Corny when I was probably, shit. Well, my sister married Bobby Eaton when I was eight. That made her, no, she, no, 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 she married Bobby when I was ten. So I met him then. I mean, because you know what I'm saying? I mean, my dad was working in Memphis. He was taking pictures in Memphis around the ring and shit. And then Eddie Gilbert did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So I met him, known him my whole entire life. remember spending Christmases with him, Bobby and all them and me, when I was a little bitty boy. Cornette, Cornette's a, a throwback. He's he's the last of, last of uh, you know, back in the day, the way the way it was, you know. And it, it's a shame that he got he got knocked out of OVW, but you know. But that's wrestling. That's exactly that's what, what it is. Say. That's wrestling. It's a fucking piece of shit. Dogs, dogs, dog eat dog world. It's it's about you. You take care of you and don't worry about nobody else, and you'll be all right. You know you can't. That's how wrestling is. It's, that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. It don't matter how and, long you put into it, what you earn and deserve, they'll give it to you and take it away and give it back, and it's just fucking dog-eat-dog world. You know you know what's crazy about this business is that the kid that he slapped, you know, the that was the last straw, then he got let go. The kid that he slapped is headlining Raw, that Santino Morella kid. 
Can you believe that? I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> well, there you go. But, yeah, the the kid that uh, Cornette slapped backstage, and that was the, the thing that eventually got him ousted, that kid is headlining, you know, Monday Night Raw now. So it's just well, an insane world. Yeah, but, I mean, that's how the rest of the world works. The night they fired me and Wolfie in WWF, they said, y'all go to the ring, Nation Domination go to the ring, they're going to make the rappers go to the ring, they're going to wrestle Road Warriors in about a minute 14, minute 45 or some shit. And I said, do what? Because at this time, me and Whoopi's wrestling on top for Polly Dangerously in ECW against the Eliminators. And I'm not going to go to the ring and get beat by the Road Warriors in a minute 45 when I'm working on top with the Eliminators on Friday and Saturday night in ECW. And But Paul Heyman's there. And I'm like, hey, Paul, I ain't doing this job, man. So... There you go. leave and they come back and tell us, well, Paul Heyman says, oh, Jamie, it's all right, kid. Everybody knows it's a work. Go ahead and y'all do that job. Y'all fine in my company. Because I knew if I did that job, it'd fuck up my job in his company. So he says, no, y'all fine. So then the next weekend we fly in ECW where we was main event against the Eliminator. We first and second match against Spike Dudley and Mikey Whipwreck. I said, I thought you said that didn't affect the way my fucking job was here. No, it don't. Y'all still work here. I said, we're working with the Eliminators. No, the gangsters are back. And see see how it is? See what I mean? How it's a fucking fuck you world? I'm like, man, why wouldn't the guy just tell me right there? You know, he's got his own company. But that you didn't know back then that they're already talking about him buying it from him. So he ain't going to tell me to do nothing to piss Vince off. So fuck it. That's why well, I call this canal. You, you mentioned uh, Spikey and Mikey. How were they as a team to work with? I love them. They're great. Both of them are great. Love them. I used to watch Mikey Whitbreck on TV and hated the motherfucker. I hated the way he looked, the way he wrestled, and everything. I got there and worked with him. I loved him. Loved working with him. How about Spike? Oh, Spike is great. Spike is fucking... Spike is over with me. You know, I think he's a hell of a little worker, and I love working with him. Yeah, that guy's... Damn, we need more people. He's Spike insane. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bump machine. Yes, he is. And he was trained out here, as a matter of fact. Was he? Because I knew he was a school teacher from that, what they call that, Beyond the Mat deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he quit the school teaching and he moved out here to Hayward, which is across the bridge from me here. And um, he trained out here and then he somehow got a tape sent out to Paul and they brought him in. Yeah, he's fucking great. I think he's talented. Very excellent. Very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go back to some names here. Your daddy, Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee. Hey, Bill Dundee. He's got MySpace. He loves it. <laughs> he don't know how to check none of the shit. I got to guide him all through it on telephone. Click here, push there, click that, do this. It fucking sucks, but anyway, he's got MySpace. Sounds like me on the phone with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Where I go, boy? Fuck, man. I've told you a hundred times. <clears throat> so, uh, any in-ring stories with uh, you and Bill? Any what? Any uh, in-ring stories that you'd like to share? Sure. I, I wrestled my dad a bunch of times. I wrestled him a few times throughout the years. But I'll tell you what, when when you, you're the son of the guy you're wrestling, he beats the shit out of you. Well, yeah. I guess just to show you that, you know, I taught you everything you know, not everything I know. Because every time I wrestled my dad, man, he just fucking beat the shit out of me and tied me all up knots and did shit to me. I didn't know what he was doing. So. <laughs> well, that's how it's been since the you know beginning of time, you know. Dad's got to, you know, show who the alpha is. and yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt, right, the line deal. But he's 65 now and I'm 36, and I always told him since I was a little kid, look, when you get old, you motherfucker, I'm going to kick that cane out from underneath you, and I'm going to kick that shit out of you. I don't care if you're 85 and I'm 51. 
One day I'll be able to whoop you, and I'm gonna do it. So just make sure there's a video camera there. Oh, this is fuck. It'll be by then. It'll be something because he'll live to be 110. He mean old fucker. <laughs> well, All right. No, many ways. He's got a new bar open called Illusions in Jackson, Tennessee. If anybody's listening from the Tennessee area, there are. Well, I'm glad they are. It's Illusions in Jackson, Tennessee. Everything is $2 drinks. $2 tequila shots, Crown Roll, $2 anything all night, every night. $2 fucking shots. $2 mm. beers, $2 everything. So you can't beat that nowhere. Does Bill 10 bar at all? No, Bill don't. Bill DJs and walk around and just, you know, throws people out. Their pants are sagging and all that shit. You know, Bill's, Bill has a nice, respectable party spot, and he wants good-looking people there with nice clothes. And so don't, don't show up, thugs. Thugs don't show up. Mm-hmm. Nice, respectable people, but he just walks around and says, "Hey, I'm Bill Dundee. Get the fuck out." <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bill. Yeah, he's done everything. Got to, got to give my hat to him, man. Dude, the man's a hard worker. Yeah, I have to agree. I have to agree. Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Yeah. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> Word association here. Name association. Yeah, word Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler is a. Smart businessman. I I really ain't got nothing bad to say about Lawler. Now my dad and Lawler, you know, me being Bill's son, I know some shit about Lawler that was between my dad and Lawler. But between me and Lawler, it's never been that bad. Except Chris Candido told me he was the one that got fired us from WWF. So me and Wolfie got a little fucking irate with him, but he said it wasn't him. So. I think I think that Lawler throws the best working punch in the business. Would be the very best working punch in the business. I do agree with that, because my dad said they ain't at work. <laughs> <laughs> and I've worked with him a few times. I don't remember if they were or not. So, yeah. All righty. The next name on my list, you've mentioned him many times, Grandmaster 6A, Brian Christopher. Brian Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian Christopher. Jerry Lawless, son. Yeah. Well, I... I me and me and Brian were opposite from our dads, you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, our dads, for a shoot, both had egos and both thought they were better than each other, and they both drew big money together. And to me, it took both of them, but if you ask them, it was them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So me and Brian, we, but we, we never really worked an angle between us, so we were always on the same car, so together we know we drew. So me and Brian get along a lot better. We, Brian's my buddy, man. I like Brian. Brian's Brian's had his little ups and downs, his little highs and lows, but I, I like Brian. Grandmaster Sexy, I wrestled with him three months ago in the company XCW down here in Louisville, where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we drew a hell of a house and wrestled great. And Lawler Dundee feud, we built it as a 20 year thing going, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I love Brian Death. I just. Brian's a little too wild right now. But be yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, the next name. Uh, this gentleman is a friend of the show. He's a, I've been dealing with him for many, many years. He was a TV job guy in Memphis, Tony Myers. Tony Myers. Talked to him a while ago. Called me on telephone. <laughs> he said, uh, they told me they would, I, told, I talked to him. They told me they were doing you. They didn't want to do something jabroni like me from Memphis. They was going to talk to you tonight. <laughs> 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 told me. I said, well, okay, Tony, I'll tell him to put you on so you can uh, be on the next one. But I, I love Tony Myers. A lot of people don't like Tony Myers. I'll tell you a story. Tony Myers put this little fucking Mexican outfit on one time. He was going to be, I don't remember what the hell they called the damn thing. Lawler's going to give him a little chance. And I was going to go on TV and put him over. Super Hysteria? That's the, that, that's him. 
super hysteria. <laughs> this motherfucker does a little spot and gives me something, goes to hit the moonsault and just lands over in the middle of the ring. Just lands, and that's the finish. I said, this motherfucker. So I just jumped on him, bam, you know, nailed him a few times, did something, just beat him right there. And Lawler's like, what in the fuck was that? I, mean, he's, I guess he, I don't know if he was nervous, because Tony fucking wrestled everybody. I mean, everybody knew he was going to let him and T.D. steal. wasn't for them. I don't think half of the fucking Memphis territory would ever got over. <laughs> mm-hmm. You had to have them. But, yeah, but, I mean, I love Tony Myers. But... Yeah, he's a good guy. We, our schedules seem to conflict, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to get him on, but yeah, but he's like, yeah, they told me they ain't gonna put no jabroni like me on you on. I said, oh yeah, they told me they can't put you on. Oh come on now. When I when I when I, I love him a lot. When I first started the show, the first guest that popped into my head was Tony. You know, I'm like, how the hell could I not have one of the most important guys in the Memphis territory on my show? Well, man, I appreciate you calling me that. I appreciate that. I, I'm not really important. I'm just a part of it. But I mean. Fuck it, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm me. Everybody, if, if you know Jamie Dundee, you know what you get, man. You know I'm 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 always the same. I, I don't lie to people. I don't bullshit or con. I just tell you how it is, straight up. Look, fuck it. I'm a low life. <laughs> you, heard Kid, <laughs> you heard Kid Rock's new song? I'm a low life on his. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's me. He's talking to me. I never been to the Catskills, but I've been to jail in Nashville. I'm a low life. He's fucking talking to me. <laughs> We got to get you that CD, brother. You need to use that as your new ring entrance. That is my new ring entrance, but when I, I'm baby facing all my companies right now. Oh yeah, let me plug some of my companies right here. Sure, get it going. Yeah, I wrestle in Chicago. We on, we got 32 weekends booked in this next year coming. It's called Pow Entertainment. P O W W Entertainment dot com, and uh, it's, it's it's a hell of a company, man. We got our big show Wrestle Rage coming up on the 24th in Elk Grove, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. And we got a, I mean, it's, it's a fucking fine company, one of the best companies I work for, and I'm glad I'm with them, man. And we're really doing some good things, man. So, who's the who's the boss? Who owns it? Jimmy Blaze, guy named oh, cool. Blaze. And then, cool. and then they we and I want to plug a, a photographer buddy of mine. His name is Anthony N. Comastrado, and he is uh, he's a hell of a fine photographer. Anybody needs pictures made and done, and he does fine work. So you can you can see him on the PowerEntertainment.com page also. Let me plug that right there, and then I plug my daddy's bar, right? Yes, sir. And I'm glad to plug everybody. <laughs> and Rubber Guard, love Rubber Guard. <laughs> I love uh, MySpace. MySpace is good. We love MySpace. Yes, I like Tom. Well, Tom, I'll tell you this, Tom. Tom Tom has let me fly around the world with a gorgeous porn star. He's got me big money bookings. He, he's got me gigs. I've met all kind of great people on MySpace and got to fly around and bang them and stuff. And it was, it was really fucking nice. And rich girls with money that fly me all over the world so I can bang them. And I fucking love Tom. And if I ever meet Tom, I'm going to jack him off with a rubber glove on. <laughs> <laughs> so if he's listening, call me up, Tom, if you need that. But if not, I appreciate you, Tom. I love Tom. So I'm all about MySpace. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. MySpace is definitely a good thing. It's, uh, it's a hell of a tool. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets people booked. It gets people booked. It gets people laid. It gets people married. It gets people divorced. It does all kind of good shit. It's it's great. I love it. It does a little bit of everything. Well, I'm going to throw out a plug here real quick. Uh, MySpace.com backslash Jamie Dundee. There you go. Hell yeah, there you go. Got I'll it. Go there, it's going to tell you how it is. And I got the, I'm a low life. It's all over my page. I show you all the shit I've done. WrestleMania 13, Hardcore Heaven 97 with Jenna Jameson. I banged the porn star Jewel Denial. You know, I'm. I just do. I just live day to day. So it'll tell you. If you want to be my friend, go ahead and click it. Because you know, 
I got a thousand friends. I put a bulletin out the other day. He said, I got a thousand friends. If everybody sends me a dollar, I'll throw a party. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise I got like 200 responses. Some people saying, like, you really need dollars? Other people saying, don't you so crazy? But yeah, I really do need dollars. So if you almost send a dollar, just get that in there, PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get back to the name game here. Name game, damn. Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert. My second favorite worker oh, ever. I miss Eddie Gilbert so bad. I've known Eddie Gilbert, you know, since I was a little bitty boy. I love Eddie Gilbert. He's just, he's part of my family. But like I said, we were mafia. Me and Doug Gilbert speak every other day. I think that's him calling on my cell phone right now. No, it's Jimmy Blaze, promoter of Powell. He had to wait. But um, Eddie Gilbert, I, I miss him so bad. He was a great fucking talent, a great wrestler. And I mean, he just died way too young. But that that that's happened to some of all the greats. James Dean. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All, all the fucking greats leave the earth. Early, mm-hmm. Man, that's just how life works. And I don't know. I'm not really a big religious kind of guy. I mean, I don't know why God needs all my friends, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, I hear you, brother. I mean, why you want to take all my brothers? Won't you go? There's just a bunch of people out here, so I, I don't understand it. But, I mean, I really miss Eddie Gilbert a lot, but a hell of a worker. Great fucking talent. Great married, mind. Married that crazy bitch, Missy Hyatt. He fucking went insane a little bit, but <laughs> that fucking crazy whore make you do anything. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, so, but, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I miss him a lot. But me and Doug speak every few days anyway, we got this little running joke because Doug called me one time and I was over at my mom's house sitting because she had to go out of town for two weeks. And Doug called me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I get up every morning about 6.45, water my mom's flowers and fucking just some shit. So every single morning for two weeks, Doug called me at 6.45 a.m. make sure I was up to water the flowers. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker, you, no, you get the fuck up, water your mama's flowers, boy. They wouldn't let me go to bed, so I'd get up and <laughs> You know, but I love Doug. He's my my family. But I really miss Eddie. But I mean, I'll see him soon. There's got to be another place. They they shit. There's got to be a better place than this. They got more talent than we got down here. They got up there. Yeah, no shit, huh? They, they, yeah, they took all the fucking talent. Somebody's booking. <laughs> you know what? That's a pretty good way to look at things. That's the way I look at it. Somebody. Well, they. I had a shirt. Well, my, not me. My dad had a shirt. Said Earnhardt ain't dead. Said Elvis Presley needed a limo driver. <laughs> I mean, for real, but I mean, I'm, I'm all fucked. They got some fucking talent up there, brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn, they're all somewhere right now. I got to get there. So, I mean, not that I won't die because I like, I'm, I like what I'm doing right now. But, you know, when I get 75, 85, I want to go up there because they got to be drawn. Well, you mentioned Dougie. Dougie. Any uh, Doug Gilbert stories? Man, I have a million Doug Gilbert stories. Me and Doug Gilbert and Brian Christopher one time coming back from Louisville, Kentucky. Doug's got to go to Japan. Next day, he got a hundred values in this bottle. And they ain't got no, no, uh, na- no label on them. Some fan game to him because, because you know, if you go to Japan with smoke and shit like that, they fuck you up. I don't know if it's death penalty or not or some bullshit to get. 40. No, but it's it's heavy, 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 it's heavy shit. But you can take a prescription bottle of pills, and they don't say nothing. Okay, so we coming back. We leave Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm eating them values. And we get to Nashville, and we turn up Nashville. We're going up forty, headed to Fort Memphis. And Doug, we always rode with our inside light on. That's how we mm-hmm. rode. And so Doug looks in the mirror and he says, damn, fucking police behind us. So he turns the inside light off and there's three Tennessee state troopers. So they pull us over. So Doug gets them vans out of his bag. He says, here, Jamie, hide these. Well, I've been eating them vans. I was just holding them. I had them in my hand. And I'm drinking my beer and Brian's in the back seat. And back then, Brian wasn't known for doing nothing, but he had a beer on him. He'd have a little sip. So... Mm-hmm. The old state trooper gets Doug out. He tells him he's been following him for over like 18 miles. That's why there was three of them because 
the inside light on, we couldn't tell there was blue lights. You understand what I'm saying? So right. Not paying no attention. So they come up the front and help me, and the cop bangs on my door, open the door, and looks at me. He says, what's in that pill bottle? I say, what pill bottle? And he's like that. I said, oh, that's 100 veins. I just hand them to the guy. He says, 100 veins? I said, hell yeah, there's 100 veins in there. So he goes back. He puts Doug in the front seat. He lets Doug go. He tells Doug he ain't drinking. He blows in his hat and says, well, you smell like you ain't drinking. So Doug said, Jamie, man, I can't believe you gave that cop. So that cop comes back to me. He says, Mr. Dundee, uh, you got a hundred volumes here with no prescription. I said, you're right, sir. I said, uh, I said, you know who we are? He's like, yeah, y'all them wrestlers. I said, that's right. I said, look how little I am. I said, these two guys beat the shit out of me every night, man. I said, can, can I get ten of them volumes back? <laughs> that Doug Gibbons said, man, shut the man. What the fuck are you doing? He started elbowing me. I said, this little dude, man, I, I need ten of them. You still got 90 of them for evidence and shit. So that cop said, Mr. Dundee. I need you to sign this ticket. And I said, hey, where'd I go? Where'd I pay this ticket? He said, no, you got to go to court, man. I said, oh, okay. So I signed a ticket, and he leaves. And Doug's like, man, why in the fuck did you get my hundred veins you took, man? He's raising hell with me, so he takes me and drops me off. So two weeks later, he comes back, and we go to this courthouse for the case. I'm like, Doug, you got to take me to court on this case. So I go up in front of the judge, and the judge says, uh, Mr. Dundee, uh, you're charged with speeding. And that's what Doug was charged with. And I tell him, I said, no, sir, I'm not, I'm not charged. I'm charged for the veins. That Excuse me. I said, yeah, I'm here for the volume charge. So he flips that docket over. He's like, oh, you got to sit down. You got to go see that DA, man. <laughs> and Doug's like, are you fucking crazy? I'm like, no, nah, I don't want, you know, I don't want no warrant because they give you a warrant if you don't show up. I know all this bullshit. <laughs> anyway, me and Doug talk to the DA, and the DA finds us $100, and places go up, we pay $100 for them volumes. And Doug, just, and Doug had to pay the fine, though. I told him, it was your volumes, you had to pay the fine. So he paid the $100 fine and let me go. But you didn't get the gimmicks back. No, 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 no I didn't. Oh, jeez. But, but Doug was like, "Why in the fuck would you ask him for them back?" I said, "Hey, he's got a hundred. Hell, he don't need all them." So, anyway, and then then one time I left my car at Brian Christopher's house. I said, "Don't drive my car." Now I got him with Spellbinder. We went to Louisville, Kentucky. I said, "My car's fucking up. Don't drive it." So Doug Gilbert came over to meet Brian to drive. Brian said, "Look here, drive Jamie's car." So they drove my car from Memphis to Louisville, and 18 miles out of Louisville, my motor blowed. Boom. Doug and them's on the side of the interstate. They call Louisville guards. They have to get my car towed to Louisville. Then Doug and Brian have to rent me a rent-a-car because they blew my car up. And I can keep it for two weeks. And they had to pay 1250 bucks to put me a new engine in the son of a bitch. And then I got my car back, and they got their rent-a-car back. So that's another Doug Gilbert story. <laughs> Every time Good Doug gets out me, he calls me money. <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned uh, Spellbinder. Have you have you heard from Del Rios at all? Sure. Uh, my daddy works out in his gym every day. That's a big dude, man. Yeah, he was Mr. Olympia in 1996, 97, biggest man in the whole world. He used to be a drug dealer for this, I mean a drug dealer. He used to be the bodyguard for this big drug dealer in New York City. Mm -hmm. He was a bodybuilder. He was in all them competitions, you know, like big as Arnold and shit. I mean, he was fucking big time. And he got shot in the back, and it went through his heart, man. That's why they call him the Miracle Man, because it went through his heart. The bullet did. And the, the paramedics broke his ribs and massaged his heart, kept him alive. They got him in the hospital and then fixed him, and he, he lived. So they call him the Miracle Man because he used to do magic and shit. Mm -hmm. So then he wanted to become a wrestler because he had a scar on going down the side of his shoulder blade. And if you're a bodybuilder and you have a scar, they deduct a lot of points. You can't, I mean, if you got a bodybuilder with a scar, your body's not perfect. So you can't, you know, you know what I'm saying? It mm -hmm. kind of fucking ended his career. So then he became a wrestler. So Vince and them put him on contract, sent him to fucking us. Told us teaching to wrestle. I mean, he never was a great wrestler, but I love Spellbinder Death. Dale Reels is a good friend of mine. I really like him a lot. My dad. Hey, it was, was a good promo. Good 
good gimmick for, for I, I Memphis. Don't, I don't understand why Vince didn't take him and just market his, his magic gimmick. Because that motherfucker yeah. was trained by the same day guy that trained David Copperfield. And me and Mike Anthony, my midget, and Wolfie used to smoke fucking pot and shit and make him do magic tricks in our room. And motherfucker, I ain't bullshitting. We've been riding with him all day and a rabbit would come out of a fucking hat. I ain't shitting. This motherfucker was awesome. I was like, fuck yeah, we smoking. Just pull another rabbit out. I ain't bullshitting. This dude was fucking, he's awesome, man, for real. He's like one of them David Copperfield dudes, so. Hang it up, Bruce. I love the guy death, you know. He was he was up in New York for what a couple of weeks, and then yeah, he, he had just a couple week run. What happened? Do you know? Lawler probably fucked him. Lawler probably wanted to keep him in Memphis for him. I'm for real, but I mean, I'm surprised Vince didn't take him just to market the little magic gimmicks he could sell. You know what I'm saying? The little mm-hmm. kids magic fucking mask and little shit he could sell. So. Well, I mean that that was ready made ready made gimmick. You know. He was ready, just come right in and... See the finish he did where he took the handkerchief and turned it into a cane? He'd hit the fucking guy with it and turn it back into a handkerchief? I mean, that's some killer shit right there, man. The people went fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because he was a real magician. He would pull that fucking handkerchief out and throw it in the area, turn it into a cane. He'd hit the fucking guy with it and turn it back into a handkerchief. He took it in his little tight. The referee would be like, it's a handkerchief. They couldn't hurt nobody. You see what I'm saying? The fucking thing was over with me. I don't know why they didn't mark it. I think Lawler just wanted to keep him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna gonna throw a shout out to Mike at High Spots. Uh, Mike, you need to find Del Rios and film a shoot interview with that guy. I would love to hear a shoot from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Del Rios, yeah, Del Rios could probably have you tell a story because he was always getting paid by WWF and then he got fucked out of it. Wow. Uh, uh, making sure my boys ain't leaving. I gotta go to the titty bar. <laughs> yeah. No, y'all can talk, man. It's okay. This is Jamie Dundee on the line. They know that. They asked me who was with me. I'm like, yeah, it's one of my twin sisters or cousins. <laughs> Tremendous. Yes. All right. Let's see. All right. Uh, what are your feelings on the Moon Dogs? Moon Dog. Which ones? There's about 35 yeah, of them now. Yeah. No shit. Well, uh, my love, Larry Latham, uh, died in the ring in Memphis. My dad said, "Fucking Robert Gibson hit him with a trash can lid," and he said, "I won't feel good." My dad said, I went over and said, "Man, you all right?" Said Bill said next thing no Jamie he said Jamie he's fucking dead I said what he, said, he was dead in the turnbuckle I was locked up then I called my dad to collect one time <laughs> and I was locked up in jail when I called he's like Jamie Larry Latham died I was like what yeah motherfucker died right in the ring Robert Gibson hit him with a trash can lid and he died I said damn Larry Latham man him and uh, Wayne Ferris with the uh, the original Tupelo concession stand brawl. What about that bullshit Jeff Jarrett them trying to do with the Moondogs and copy that, man? You can't copy. You know why you can't copy that fucking original fucking concession stand brawl in Tupelo, Mississippi with fucking Larry Latham, Wayne Ferris, and Danny Davis versus Jerry Lawler? But you know why? Because they didn't know they were going to do it. Exactly. It just fucking came. By the time they knew it, they was in the concession stand. Somebody threw a mustard jar, and they went with it. And that's yep. why fucking it drew big money. And then Jeff and Lawler won't try to redo it with the Moon Dogs. Mm-hmm. The whole world went, let them fuck you. And that was 1978. Nine, if I remember Nine, right. Yeah, and it's 2007, and everybody still talks about the concession stand. Yeah, that's yep. the best shit I ever seen. Exactly. And the thing is, the thing is, the 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 town was down, was pretty much dead, you know. And then a uh, Jared or Jerry just said, uh. Go out and do it. You know, it's on you guys to yeah. to spark it up. And boy, did they fucking do it. But see, that, like my dad said, that's why it was good, because we didn't know we was going to do it. Exactly. You know, and then they shaved my mom's head in the Mid-South Coliseum. And they, I mean, all that fucking shit. I mean, that's... that's the magic's shit. gone, brother. That's the greatest shit you've ever heard of in your life, 1979, shaving a woman's head. Man, can, 
Can you say heat? Yeah, fuck that. That's heat, brother. Bill Dundee, when my mama said when we came here, my dad came here in 74, and we hit here in 75. My dad had already been stabbed one time. His car had three bullet holes in the side door. My mom was like, no, we ain't staying here. My mom, my dad took my mom to Tupelo, Mississippi in 1975. And this motherfucker had the Klan rally that evening. My mom had just come from Australia with me, five years old, Australian with cross eyes, talking about, fuck you. That's all I ever said when I was a little kid was, fuck you, because all the rest was talking to say, fuck you. And then my ear was pierced. Tommy Rich and my dad got drunk, put two ice cubes on my ear. They got me drunk at four years old. Hell, I had put a needle through my ear and stuck an earring in there. And I was a little blind kid that would just tell everybody, go fuck yourself in Australian at a Klan rally with the black people sitting up top. And my dad's a big old heel. And old men were whittling and shit. And it was a fucking riot with a Klan rally. And my mama said, we ain't staying in America. We're fucking leaving. And I remember we got back on the airplane. We went home. That's how fucking big wrestling was then. That's insane. Oh, it was great. It was fucking great. I mean, I was only four years old. All I remember was fucking, I don't know what I remember. It was chaos. You know, it was great. Well, let's go back to some names. How about Paul Heyman? Paul the Jew Heyman. I ain't got nothing bad to say about the guy. He's just full of shit. He's another wrestling promoter. He don't like me because my dad bitch slapped him one time. Fucking throwed him out of the dressing room when my dad was a booker. See, I got a lot of heat for shit my dad did. Mm-hmm. My dad was a booker, and Paul Heyman came in and did something smart. My dad bitch slapped him, throwed him out. My dad smacked Cornette one time, throwed him out of party one time because he said something smart to my sister, and Bobby wouldn't say nothing. I mean, it's just, but my dad would smack anybody. He smacks me all the time. Hell, he smacked me on his fucking wedding day. My 35th birthday, he smacked me just for nothing. Smacked shit out of me. Take that, you fucking punk. So, but uh, I, I, Paul Heyman, it's, it's, fuck, I ain't got, I don't, I don't really know the guy. I just worked for him a bunch of times. Tommy Dreamer is who I went to ECW for. You know what I'm saying? If I had a problem and you want to do something, I just tell Tommy Dreamer, I ain't doing that. So I got a problem with that. You know, Paul was the one that told me, you guys got a job here for life. You kids are great. Man, go away from me. You heard my dad say that in 86 when you were taking pictures. You know what I'm saying? How about, there you go, Paul Heyman as a talent when, when he first broke in as a manager. Well, what do you think of him? When he had the Any phone? memories back then? When yeah, the with the phone. phone. Yeah. Ah, that was original to me. I liked it. But see, back then, I didn't give a fuck about wrestling. You, you see what I'm saying? I, when mm-hmm. I grew up, I never wanted to be a wrestler when I was growing up. When I was 15 years old, and I was wilder than fuck. My dad took me on the road to sell his gimmicks, and then somebody asked if I'd be his manager if he'd switch heel. And then my dad was like, man, there's more fucking chicks, man. More money to be made, quick, easy money, and bitches. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm all about them bitches and so, I mean, you know, I, I never really watched wrestling. I didn't. My mom would say, come in, boy, your daddy's on TV. When I was 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, I'd run in and watch my dad. Hey, cool, yeah, fuck that. You know, I didn't care. We lived in a big old house. I had some four-wheelers and shit to ride. <laughs> 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 my dad lived to build a new life. I just didn't see the motherfucker, which was all right. We... Cool, yeah. cool. Uh, the next <laughs> name on my list is Brickhouse Brown. Brickhouse Brown. Crazy house. Crazy-ass nigga. That's the first nigga ever did cocaine with me when I was about fucking 14 years old. Had me with some fucking 21-year-old fucking, I don't know what you were, a stripper or something. I was 14, making me do cocaine, get naked with a stripper. So thanks to him, I am what I am today. So fuck you. <laughs> I love you know, guys, but fuck you. You know, he's still working. He's still working down in the Alabama area. I know he works. He's a bounty hunter, too. So fuck him. My dad told me he's a bounty hunter in Memphis. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah but I love breaking out every time I see him. But, but that, fuck him. Because of him, I am like I am. <laughs> well... Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I don't think it's too bad, but the fucking rest of society does, so I guess it's... Well, there you go. All right, now we're going to talk about 
Texas. Texas. How crazy were the Von Erich boys when you were down there? How crazy were the Von Erich boys? Kerry Von Erich was so fucking crazy. I love Kerry Von Erich. He 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 gave me a ten thousand dollar bracelet one time. It made a diamond said Kerry on it. Memphis to hold this. This is when they did the the Lawler and him angle in Memphis when they were going to unify the world title. Right. He he got so fucked up. He went to the pitcher table where he done did a shot in his arm or whatever it was. Blood was come out, laid up on the pitcher table, fucking fucked up, talking to people and shit. Kind. Of, they 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 were so they were so off the chain that I mean it, it was fucking. Un- but see that's how wrestling used to be. If you were that, when the police pulled you over, no, you know nobody nobody. It was okay if you did that because you were the the fucking star they thought you were. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It was fucking crazy, man. <laughs> but I love him to death. I, I only know uh, I know I never met Chris. I knew right. David. I mean, not David. I knew uh, Kevin and Kerry. Those are the two that I knew mm-hmm. that I hung with. I hung with Kerry a lot of times, and then with the Freebirds and shit. Which fuck, what a mm-hmm. crazy guys they were. What they were over like motherfuckers. Well, I'm gonna give you the office. Freebirds, brother. Give me some Freebird stories. Dude, I was 15 years old. They brought the Freebirds here to do that fucking Dallas invasion. And I was going to take them. I was, no, I was 19 years old. I took them to these clubs, man. It was the fucking Samoan SWAT team, the Freebirds, and uh, Eric Embry and fucking Tom Pritchard and uh, uh, John Tatum. And I took them to this titty bar. And, man, they were fucking absurd, just crazy. And the, the owner came and said, Dundee, you could, man, you got to control them. I said, fuck you. You control them. And they just let them do whatever they wanted, man. And then fucking, it was nuts. And I was like, God damn, I can't believe my daddy's like, man, you can't go out with them Texas bunches. They were fucking wild. They were fun, crazy dudes. Wow. But you could get away with that in 1987, 88, 89. Now, you know what I'm saying? You could get away with that then. Because they were fucking, everybody knew them. You know, you could get away with that then. Oh, you mentioned them, the SST. Um, did PG-13 ever get to work with the Samoan SWAT team? Fuck no, and I'm glad. Because <laughs> those are some stiff-looking motherfuckers, and I don't ever want to work with none of them. What'd you think of them? I, I loved them as people. Mm. I mean, I didn't really know them, know them, Fatu and Samu. Are you talking about Lil Sam and Fatu? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I loved them. I mean, I don't really know them. Met them a bunch of few times in and out of the thing, you know, I'm, but I mean, and they, like I said, they were they were there that fucking night of that wild party where I took them to this club called the Hard Rock. It wasn't a Hard Rock; it was called Hard something, whatever. I don't know. It it was a happening motherfucker in Nashville at that time. <laughs> so, but I mean, I you know, and then we went to Texas a couple more times, and Jerry Jarrett fired me because fucking somebody said I said something about his mama Christine or some bullshit, and they left me home. And then because the reason being because me and my dad's angle was fixing to get over, where I was turning on him, and fucking Eric Embry didn't want that, and so that's the real reason. But. So I only ever hung with him a little bit, but I, I love the Texas Bunch. Well, you brought up Eric Embry. What do you think of him? Uh, well, I think of him. He's my MySpace buddy. <laughs> the nudist. Huh? The nudist. The nudist. I think uh, he always had, yeah he always had his balls hanging. Is that what you talking about? Yeah. Everywhere, every dressing room, he just sit naked with his knee pads on, with a fucking can in front of him, spit dipping it with his nut <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. So, Same. That that's one guy that needs to be, you know, uh, found and and a shoot interview done with. Well now, well I asked him because I he, I talked to him all the time. I asked him, and, you know, he said he wants to take his to the grave. Oh really? What he said? He runs well, a pizza parlor go. up there in his little town in Kentucky, not far from Nashville. He's got his little pizza parlor. 
little video. Somebody told me he weighs 350 pounds, so I fuck with him. I say, I hear you, I hear you eat up all the profit. You eat all that pizza, man. And, you know, Eric Emery, me and him always had a good time together. He got me fired one time. I know he did because he wanted to keep Tojo Yamamoto instead of me. And, you know, it's fuck. Hmm. Whatever. I got I got fucked in, you know, what? Eric Emery told me I could eat the five Chinese food in the kitchen, but I in the fridge and on the bus going to Texas. I didn't know that was what Tojo made. Eric Henry told me I could eat it. I ate it all drunk, fucked up. Tojo gets up, what the fuck's my rice? And then, uh, oh, James Dunn, he ate your rice. <laughs> I said, well, Eric, you said I could have it. No, no, I didn't know. I said, well, you motherfucker. So, you know, Tojo was sitting there with his feet falling off, rotten, about to be dead, because, I mean, I fuck him. Uh, yeah, I got so much heat. They did a Tojo Yamamoto fucking memorial show in Nashville, Tennessee. I was a heel. I went to the ring. I had a little cup of rice and a styrofoam cup. I said, and all you people going to cry. What about Pearl Harbor? I said, the hell with that jab. Here's a bucket of rice to take with it. I threw the rice in there. Oh, that fucking Jerry Jerry was so mad. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? Tojo wouldn't have had it any other way. Right. And that Tojo was so fucking, I mean, that Jerry Jerry was so mad. You disrespect the dead man. Just like my brother New Jack, that fucking JYD died. He said, I don't give a shit that nigga died. That motherfucker died on me $400. I want my motherfucking money. <laughs> and I said, I'm with you, man. I mean, you know, everybody's going to die. Hmm. Well, uh, have, did you ever cross paths with uh, Eric Ambry's former partner, Ken Timms? Ken Timms. Yeah. Yeah, but I was just a younger guy. You know what I'm saying? I, I never mm-hmm. really hung out with Ken Timms. I know who Ken Timms is. I never just hung out with him. And I don't really know nothing about him. You need to send them to the liquor store with that. No, we're going to the titty bar. Oh, that's right. How, how, how much longer are we on this show? Uh, we have 30 minutes to go. 30 minutes? Yeah. Is that all right with y'all, boys? Because I, I, we'll transfer to the cell phone, and y'all can go to the titty bar with us for the last 15 if y'all want. <laughs> yeah, uh, 15 with Iceman titty bar. That's fun. We'll get you next time. Part two? Yeah, part two shit, always. <laughs> All right, let's see. Jim hey, Ross. You say you, uh, what'd you say? Did you say Jim Ross? Yes, sir. Oh, happy face motherfucker? Yes, sir. Yeah, if I ever had my way about it, I'd smack the good side of his face. <laughs> the good side? Now. Yeah, the good, you know, he's only got that half a face. You know how he talks outside his mouth, hey, King, is that like? You know, one side of his face is all fucking, like, elephant manness and shit. <laughs> can I say that on air? Yeah, I please. I on my shoot tape. I can say it on air. Yep, why not? Because uh, I, I fuck him. He ain't never took a bump in his life. He ain't never been in the ring. He don't know nothing about my business. That motherfucker don't know nothing. He's up there fucking. I don't know what he's doing because he got paralyzed on the set. They just keep him. That's the way oh. I fucking feel. That guy, fuck him. It's like a time when I came in and I rolled up in there in WWF. I was on fucking. I, all right, here's the story. This is when I challenged Ken Shamrock. Do y'all know that story? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, this is how I got to it. Me and Brian Christopher and Tony Williams wrestled Louisville Gardens on Sunday night, which we never do, but we do it once every five months, and we had to go back to uh, Memphis so I could fly out so I could go to Monday Night Raw for that Monday because, you know, Sunday in Louisville, that's a seven-hour drive. Well, on the way back, we got this chick with us, and she done brought in a whole bunch of drugs and Hell, Brian ain't going to be mad in hell, fuck him anyway. She brought in 1,000-inch ecstasy, 1,000 volumes, 1,000 Xanax bars, and we go in and we go to this Denny's, and I, I ate me two hits of ecstasy. I ain't never done that before. And I was naked in the Denny's in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, butt naked, sitting at the fucking table, ordering me some eggs and hash browns and shit. 
So the, they go back in there and get the cooks. Everybody's out laughing and shit. We're all, I'm necking Brian and rolling at me. And so we leave, we get in the car, and police pull us over. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> police pull us over. But I'm dressed by then. But, so they run the girl driver's name, and she has a warrant. And now we done flew her in from New York City, right? And a couple of them guys were married. I wasn't, you know, but they uh, didn't want their wife to know. So we had to go ahead and stay in Louisville. So they give me four Vines and five Xanax bars. They changed my WWF ticket to fly to Louisville, and I landed in this town in Michigan. I was 200 miles away from the WWF show. So I go up to a cab driver's, and I tell him, I need, I need to smoke pot in your cab. Cab driver's like, hell no. I'm like, yeah, I'm sm-. little old guy let me smoke pot in his cab. He drove me 212 miles. I pull up WWF show 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Fucked up on them pills and shit. Pull down the thing. I go inside. Jim Ross says, Mr. Dundee, where you been? I said, I don't know, but there's a $580 cab bill out there you got paid. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? I walk into the dressing room. He comes in and he said, I ain't paying that. I said, oh, yeah, you are. Hang on. Let me get my contract out here. My contract says you pay me $500 to perform. And he says, yes, sir. I said, and it also says we pay transportation to and from venue. He said, yeah, it does. I said, well, that's how I got here. Cab, $580. Go pay that. <laughs> Boys matter in the motherfucker. He goes out there and pays, and I go in there and pass out. I'm fucked up in the dressing room. I pass out on the floor. My partner, Wolf, is just coming there trying to wake me up. He's going, Jamie, please get up. I said, I can't do it. I'm so fucked up. I don't even know where I'm at, man. I just let me sleep. No, I'll be all right. So I'm doing that. And the old man kind of memory comes. He picks me up, puts me on a little stool. He's like, little Dundee, I love you, man. I've known you for years. You're fucking your career up. I said, I don't give a fuck. Just put me in the floor, man. I got to go to bed. <laughs> Look, I go to sleep. I wake up. It's like, this is no bullshit. Quarter to eight, I wake up. Bam, I sit up. I'm still, because I got dressed as soon as I got there. You know, four o'clock, even though I'm seven hours late, I still got dressed. I look up, Ken Shamrock sitting across from me. It was his first day in the WWF. Everybody sitting around. I look over at him and I say, You Ken Shamrock? He said, Yeah, I said, You sissy ass bitch. And I jump up to my knees. I say, come on, get you some of Dundee. Get get you hold this knee over here, bad boy. This ain't no horse Gracie standing here. I'm going to fuck you up. This is where the big boys play. Welcome to the WWF. This dude don't know nobody, poor old Ken. He ain't never seen none of us are working motherfuckers. He said, what'd you say? I said, get up, bitch. Dan Severn done told me you got a weak knee. Step up to Dundee. Look, man, that dude starts to stand up. I sit down. I say, oh, ain't you tough. Ken Shamrock going to beat up Jamie Dundee. Man, everybody pops. Fucking starts laughing at old poor old Ken. Ken fucking, he look, he sits back down on his hands. He leaves. We go to the ring. They don't ever even turn my microphone on WWF. I rap, do my thing. I go home. I fly home. I come back in the next week. <laughs> We're on the shuttle. Me and Ken Shamrock's on the same shuttle going to pick up our rental car. <laughs> and I say to him, how you do, sir? I'm James Dundee. <laughs> yeah. He said, yeah, I know. Stupid little motherfucker. <laughs> I said, excuse me? He said, you're a crazy little motherfucker, man. I said, I, uh, I don't even know what that was. And I said, look, dude, you talking about last week? The only way I knew I was on that show is I went home and watched it on Wednesday after somebody recorded. I mean, I, but after that, me and him became all right. So you tell old Kenny Shamrock I love him. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I got another name for you. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. I mean, you just said it, didn't you? <laughs> there you go. I mean, what 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 else can I say about the guy? He's a fucking genius. Yeah, He's God in the wrestling world. Not mine, but, you know, right now, it's his world, which is a fucking shame because he don't even know what to do with it. But, mm. but I mean, uh, I mean, uh, 
I don't got nothing to say about the guy, you know. I don't even think I ever talked to him three or four times at WrestleMania party. You know, I mean, I got nothing good to say or bad to say about it. I don't know the dude, but he's a billionaire, so fuck it. Like, you know what I'm saying? What is, my opinion means nothing. He's doing something right. For him. Yeah, for him, but not I mean, for the rest of the world. But I mean, world. that's how it is, and, but everybody else is too fucking stupid to see that, so. True. All right, I got another name for you, Dirty Dutch Mantel. Dirty Dutch Mantel, I'm going to tell you a good story. Dirty Dutch Mantel, when I was uh, six, uh, 13 years old, uh, we moved to North Carolina. My dad was booking North Carolina. We lived there about two years. I don't remember who, what, when, whatever, what the fuck. I knew my brother-in-law and Bobby and my sister and them lived down the street, so we, we all moved there and was running some shit there, and Dutch Mantel was there. I was about 13, I snuck my daddy's truck out. My dad had this little fucking Subaru brat, and I snuck it so much out, and I'm going down there to the mall, because back then I was about 13, 14. And at the showbiz, man, you could go up there, and, you know, I used to bang the girls that worked at showbiz, because they were like 14, 15, too, and they would give you them tokens, them little game tokens. They'd give you like a sack of them. It would be like $80 worth, and I would sell them to the parents. Instead of them paying four for a dollar, I'd say, look, man, I'll give you six for a dollar, eight for a dollar. So I would, I would make 40 bucks, and I'd go buy me a bag of pots. So that was my little hustle up there. Dutch Mantel one time saw me driving my daddy's truck. <laughs> I was in a red light. <clears throat> I looked over, and I saw Dutch Mantel and his wife, Kathy. But they unrolled their window, and I unrolled my window, and Dutch said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, uh, nothing. What are you doing? <laughs> and he said, you better get that damn truck on, boy, right now if I whoop your ass. And yes, sir. I went right home, and I knew, I knew he was going to tell on me. And you know what? He he never told my daddy on me, man. And wow. I was like, damn, that Dutch is all right, man. You know what I'm saying? I just knew. I was 13 years old. My daddy would have fucking kicked the shit out of me. Jeez. Yeah. That's insane. Um, before we go on, I'd, I'd like to throw a shout-out to a, to a partner of mine up there in the Pacific Northwest outside Seattle. Buddy Wayne is listening. Um, Buddy, Buddy Wayne, like Buddy Wayne, I know from Memphis. No, not that Buddy Wayne. Oh, okay. You said Buddy Wayne. I thought he moved to Seattle. It's cold up there and it rains. No, no, that's that's the younger Buddy Wayne. He um he uh he uh, did jobs for WCW and WWF and whatnot. And hey, he everybody's is, done jobs. That, see, people say that like that means nothing. Say say he wrestled for WCW. There you okay. There you go. He he wrestled. He wrestled for them, and uh, he's a huge, huge mark of your shoot interviews. So I'm oh, throwing God. shots out. Um, I sent him a, I sent him a private message the other day, telling, telling him that I was going to have you on the show, and he says, "Dude, um, <clears throat> if you were closer, I'd give you a blowjob." <laughs> well, just like I'm gonna jack Tom off, he's gonna give you a hey. So we're fuck, it's all cool. We'll all get together if it ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. So yeah. And what's his go. name? Buddy Wayne. Buddy Wayne. Well, Buddy Wayne, thanks a lot, man. I'm glad you fucking enjoyed J.C. Ice's Entertaining World, but I promise you, everything I tell you is true, except I changed the name to protect the innocent. Like, if I say Jeff Jarrett did eight ball with me, I really meant Jeff Jarrett did eight ball with me, but you're, I mean, Jeff Johnson. I'm sorry. See, changed the name to protect the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can't go any further without an Iron Sheik story. Oh my God! The Iron, my, my, I got an Iron Sheik and an Abdul the Butcher story for you. Oh, please! And you're gonna love. I actually I have two Abdul the Butcher stories for you. But one of them, all right, the Iron Sheik. Mm-hmm. Well, here I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a George Animal Steel story first. I'm gonna go all through all three. Okay. 
Cool. Me and Wolfie had to go to WWF in 1995 and work. The uh, two job boys, and we got a little shot at the Smoking Guns World Title on WWF, okay? Right. 1995. We had a little four-week deal there. We did won this thing with Lawler's company where we won this battle royal, all this bullshit, and we got to go. Right. So we go there, and George Animal steals our agent, right? So he comes over to us, and he and he's like, how you doing, guys? And I said, good, sir. And he said, well, what's your finish? And I said, because we're wrestling these two little job boys. Said, well, they're not job boys. Well, they were. Whatever, everybody's a job boy. Anyway, there was, it was uh, Sonny Rogers and Al Brown. Sonny Rogers was one of the best. And you know what? Sonny Rogers trained trained the guy, Jimmy Blaze, that runs this company that I work for now. There you go. It, it, Sonny Rogers is great. I love Sonny Rogers. He's fucking excellent. He's great. He just never never said nothing. I just love the guy. But anyway, I, I got stories on him. Fuck, I, I got... We could do this show for six hours. <laughs> but anyway, listen. So... We go there, and George Animal still comes to me, and he's like, uh, okay, what's your finish, kid? And I said, well, I like to, like, just fucking chew on the turnbuckle. <laughs> and, uh, George Animal still says, that won't make you no money. I started laughing, <laughs> and I said, I, oh, okay. So, but see, I didn't know that he had a fucking shit bag, colostomy bag. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, sir. And he said, what's your finish? We give my little finish. We do our little deal and come back, and Davey Boy Smith says, Actually, I'm saying, what the fuck's that smell? And he says, uh, Dave Boy Smith says, Jamie? He said, do you know George got busted going into Canada smuggling 10 pounds of shit? <laughs> and I said, cocaine? He said, no, that's what you smell. He's got a shit bag on. <laughs> <laughs> and I busted that, and I'm like, what's a shit bag? And I didn't know what a colossal bag. I, had to, I wanted to show it to me shit. Everybody's like, no. I said, yeah. Dude, you showed me like a bag of shit. I was tripping, man. It was the fucking funniest thing in the world. So that was my George Animal Steel story. <laughs> so now who, who's the next one? Cheeky Baby. Cheeky Baby. Uh, I met Cheeky Baby a few times throughout the years, you know, but in WWF, he used to always come to me. Because, you know, me and Wolfie, all we did was Monday Night Raws and the pay-per-views. We got $500 for each time, sing a little song. So we made 2500 in days. So fuck it. Flies in. We'll do it. We did a seven-month little run with the Royal Rumble, the WrestleMania 13, the Survivor Series 97, In Your House 97, whatever the fuck it was. But every single show, he'd say, Jimmy, baby. Jimmy, baby, come, come shave Shiki, baby's neck. Come shave my neck, baby. But look, when I got back there, the Sheik's got like fucking nine wrinkles in his neck. And it looks like a pack of fucking bratwurst hot dogs. And then I got to peel his neck. See, y'all don't even understand what I'm talking about. I got to fold his neck flat and shave the Iron Sheik's fucking cracks of his fat neck. And, and to me, I'm like, man, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. But I got to do it because I'm fucking, they're the Sheik and I'm Jamie. And I, you know? <laughs> and I love, and Abdul the Butcher used to make me hold up his fat flaps so he could put his girl on. Come here, champ. Hey, Chan, give me a hand here. And I was like, what? And he said, just hold that. And the first time I put my arm in there, I was like, what in the fuck? You know them little fat flaps that hang down? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yep. He hold, you get somebody got to hold them up so he can put a fucking rubber girdle on it and make the second and third fat flap be flat. <laughs> and then I got to drop it. And I told my buddy Mike Andy, I said, I ain't holding this nigga's fucking fat flaps no more. Uh, he got sweat and some stinky shit on my arms. And I wasn't happy about it at all, so I ain't never held Abby's fucking fat flaps again. 
And then the same night, he took us to the fucking bar in Puerto Rico, and he told he told the fucking waitress everything was on him, and about twelve of us eating, and then he just disappeared. And that waitress came back, she's like, "Y'all got to pay." <laughs> we said, "What? Yeah, yeah, he ain't here no more." I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. So Abby, I love Abby. He's a cheap cop sucker. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Abby's fucking house of Chinese ribs and fucking barbecue ribs and Chinese pancakes or something. I'm going there. I'm eating. I ain't paying. I'm leaving. Yeah, <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. I I do have a message from uh, the Sheiky Baby. Oh, professional! That's the Sheik. I love the Sheik. I'm breaking you back, Sheiky Baby. <laughs> the Sheik's got to be working. I know he don't believe that Artie on fucking Howard Stern is is Sheik Junior. He don't buy that, does he? Nah. No, it's got to be a work. Has to be. Gotta be, because I love Sheik. But Sheik, you will break you back. I'm breaking you back, you motherfucker. He's great. Love him. He's great. I, I can Simmons, never I get Ron enough Simmons of him. Ron Simmons, too. Damn. Ron Simmons. <laughs> love him. Yeah. Used to ride around me and Wolverine with Nation Domination, because the Renick, see, let me tell you how cheap these motherfucking rich fucking big stars are. Wolf, Wolfie got a fucking flight in and a, a hotel room and a rent a car, and I got a flight in a hotel room and a rent a car. But me and Wolfie ain't got no driver's license and we ain't got no credit cards. So what we do is like mankind would come with me and mankind would fucking put it on his credit card, put the room in his name, rent the car in his name on the credit card, and then WWF would give me the money and I just give it back to him to pay his credit card. Mm-hmm. So that because you know they got to pay their own shit when they got them big contracts. Right. Ron Simmons would do the same for Wolfie, so we usually just rent one minivan and all of us ride together. Hey, that Ron Simmons, that's a funny motherfucker, man. You you know him? You ever talked to him? Ron? No. Uh-uh. Oh, dude, that motherfucker's so funny. He told me stories about him getting pulled over with uh, Butch Reed with rubber dicks in the floor. Two, two, two porno chicks in the backseat were porno, no, two, you know, dirty whores off the street with, with rubber, dicks on, rubber dicks laying all over the floor. Police pull him over, and Ron Simmons is trying to tell the police he can't talk. Yeah, cause he's so high on cocaine. He told Butcher, he said, tell him I can't talk. <laughs> Butcher, nigga, you lost your mind. We're doomed. They know who we are. Know. Tell him I can't talk. I ain't got no, I can't talk. <laughs> and then, Insane. you know what, then the, me and Wolfie would get high and ride around the party in Chicago, and he lay in the back of my van and make fun of us. And, and then I think, you know, he probably said something to somebody. You know, that's how the WWE is. You know what I'm saying? How people... I love the guy, but then, you know, if you do something in front of somebody, they just, they do it. In wrestling, we call it ribbon on the square. Mm-hmm. If a guy's jealous of you and he sees you do cocaine, fuck two girls and get drunk, then tomorrow he says, ah, y'all should have seen Dundee. That motherfucker's so funny. He got damn did two eight balls, fuck his whore, but then he got drunk. That motherfucker. What he's really doing is burying you and knocking you. You know what I'm saying? But they do it in a funny way. It's it's a jest way. It's, you know, it's funny. Hey, it's 11.45. Y'all got 15 minutes. Y'all better get to rolling. We 13. Go to 13 minutes. Let's see. What else can I bring up? How about Phil Hickerson? There's a name from the past. Phil Hickerson. Phil Hickerson and me did my first little angle together. Hey, man, I got the piss. Can, can we commercial? Sure. Sure. Commercial. Sure. I got a piss. I'll be you right got there. it. And now, a word from our sponsor. Be sure to check out IVP videos, www.ivpvideos.com, two ninety nine single disc, five ninety nine double disc, for your Purasau, Lucha Libre, some MMA, a lot of classic stuff, obscure Japanese indies, a lot of indie sleaze. Once again, 
IVP videos, www.ivpvideos.com. So if you hate the stuff today but love the old stuff, the car... So if you hate the stuff today but love the old today. stuff... Uh, all righty, we're back with uh, Jamie Dundee. Yes, we are. We're coming down to 12 minutes. 12. <clears throat> you know what? I beat the Rock and Roll Express another time, Matt. 11.47, Lance Russell said. 11.47. Any Lance Russell stories? Lance Russell was a guy that I watched my whole life growing up. Like I said, I wasn't a wrestle fan, but my mom would holler, Jamie, your daddy's on. I'd run in. And Lance Russell, to work with Lance Russell is the greatest wrestling announcer ever. Lance Russell and Gordon Soley, as mm-hmm. you almost say, are the greatest two ever. Well, who do you think? Who do you think? Uh, See, I'm going to ask you some questions. <laughs> all right. Well, you're going to, okay. Lance Russell, Gordon Soley, Gordon Soley, and Jim Ross for oh. Mid South, Mid South, and UWF. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But see, yeah, you're right. Just in that time period, though. The personal feeling about Jim Ross because he's a fucking don't deserve what he gets. But you know, right to me. But, but you gotta, you gotta. Soley and Lance, and I got to work with both of them. My first start name managing angle, Gordon Soley was the fucking announcer for Ron Fuller in that. USA Company, that was, and, and Lance, and when we first started, me and when we first started, Lance Russell wasn't around. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They brought Lance Russell in later. So I never really got to work with Lance, and I finally got, to, it was Michael St. John and uh, Dave Brown. Mm-hmm. So I never, finally, then finally I got to, because Lance is the greatest wrestler, because Lance can make you believe as much as anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, exactly. That's, see, that's what's wrong with our business today. It takes the whole click. The announcer, the referee, the wrestlers, every takes it all. All right. The empty arena match, Lawler and Terry Funk. Oh, God. Do you think do you think it would have been as good as it was without Lance Russell? No, I think it never was it killed Memphis. You think it killed Memphis? No, I know this from my dad. The fucking houses dropped tremendously. It's famous now because it's fucking part of history, but the the actual houses from what they were doing all the way up to that, then they did that, and then the house the next fucking two or three weeks dropped Nothing. tremendously. Nothing. It killed fucking Memphis. Mm-hmm. And which, which back then, Memphis died if, you know, if there wasn't fucking, if the Hill 1680, if it wasn't fucking 10 or better, they were closing down next week. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Well, they went week to week, but... You know, that's part no, of No, but the, I mean, that was just how bad they panicked, which fucking 10,000 is great. Mm-hmm. My dad and Lawler did that angle. 16 weeks in a row, they sold the Mid-South Coliseum out. And this mm-hmm. is a shoot when they did the my, Shave My Mama's Head angle. Mm-hmm. They started with Bill Beat Lawler for... Cause, matter of fact, Jerry Lawler had to get on TV and apologize and say that he wasn't actually drunk. He was pretending because he did... They did my dad beat Lawler for a ring. For his diamond ring, then he beat him for his fucking crown, then he beat him for his car, then he beat him for his house, and then Lawler literally moved out of his house, and Bill Dundee literally moved in for like four weeks. Mm-hmm. Then they found Jerry Lawler disappeared four weeks. Four weeks later, they found Jerry Lawler in a ditch. Lance Russell did with wine bottles, acting drunk. And Jerry Lawler don't drink. He never drank a drop in his life, and he never has. Right. He did it so good that when he came back, the people. That like the people called in talk about their hero drinking on TV, blah, blah, and he literally had to say, okay, Bill, I was just playing. I'm ready for the match, and they did the match where Lawler won his fucking car back. Then he won his 
ring back. Then he won his crown back. Then he won his house back. And then it was Lawler versus Dundee Hare, and they did something there where Lawler Dundee said, well, fuck you, I'll bring my wife. And then they shaved my mom's head. You see what I'm saying? But it was 16 weeks in a row they built that and sold it out. And during that 16 weeks, all the fans on the first fucking four matches were in the lobby buying tickets for next week. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they wanted to see what was going to happen next week. And then that's, you know, that's what makes the Southern Wrestling what it is. All right. Uh, one of the most famous matches in the Mid-South Coliseum was on April 27th, 1987, Jerry Lawler against Austin Idol, Steel Cage, hair versus hair. Right. Do you remember that match? No, I do not. What year? Tell it to me again. That was 87. It was when Tommy Rich was under the ring the whole night. Right, he drank beer. Drinking his beers. Yeah, he was drinking beer and beer pissed out underneath the ring. That's when they did the nut angle where they fucking nutted Lawler, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's classic yeah. stuff yeah. right that's there. Classic. Good shit, see? But, I mean, that's what, you know, made, because nobody ever assumed he would be under the ring. Tommy got underneath that ring at 6 o'clock. They see, Tommy said, give me two cases of beer and pack of cigarettes, and I'll get under that. Because back then you could smoke in the building, so nobody right. ever knew he was smoking. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Man, that was... Good stuff. They they just don't do that. You know, they don't but book things that way anymore. I, I can't use the, the, the term writing. It just makes me sick. It, well, it, but, but see, it's like, remember the guy that put the fucking mask on? Thank you, boss. Remember the guy that put the mask on and exposed magic? Right. I, I know how that that David Copperfield didn't make the Statue of Liberty disappear, but I don't give a fuck how he did it. It's... I'm going to tell you a line I, I saw about professional wrestling. I've loved it my whole life. R.G. Bunker was watching wrestling one time, and Meathead came in. And he said, Meathead, Meathead said, aren't you kind of, why are you watching this old boring stuff? I said, it's all fake. said, they know who's going to win or lose. And R.G. Bunker said, yeah, Meathead, they do, but I don't. Exactly. And that is why our entertainment does, gets over like it does. And that's what's wrong with today. These fucking people that wrestle, they watch this shit. They 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 do four thousand things in four and a half seconds. The the human brain, you got to tell a story. It's a soap opera. It's a fucking play. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. A play. It's a physical play. And if I went to a play and the dude went, "Hey, I love you, buddy," and he swung out a fucking tree and dropped down, and everybody cheering their bells. What the fuck? Your brain can't comprehend that. It's a play, and they don't understand that. They don't understand. How our business works. They they can't wrestle. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. That is definitely the problem. Nowadays, it's it's just it's unwatchable. It's it's not what I grew up loving. You know, it's not Bruiser Brody and. Uh, you know what, Vince Jerry Blackwell Brawling. Why? Because he's got twenty four seven, and I guarantee you're like just like me. I like to go watch that hey, fucking shit with the Von Erickson WCCW. Mm-hmm. I like to turn that on. I, I smile when I see that. I'm like, fuck, ain't that great? Look how simple that was. Ain't that great? Yeah. No. And then and, and I watch all them old shit, and I think, fuck, man, they don't even understand, man. They make it so hard. But, I mean, how do we top killing the guy? Uh, how do you pull out a gun and stick it in his mouth and pull the trigger. That's... Yeah, but that's still, he's still, that's the second dead dude. He ain't first. Yeah, no we shit. We killed Owen. How do you top that? I mean, we've gone that far. What do you, how the fuck do you top it? Nothing. Well, I'm ready to go to Mexico and fucking Puerto Rico. See, Puerto Rico won't let me come back because they know I'll just live there forever. But <laughs> Living on the beach. 
and brother, I don't give a fuck. Doing gimmicks and drinking. My day is 80 bucks a fucking week. Throw my shit in the day in when I want to go back. I will. If I don't, lay on the beach. The sun comes up 5.30 in the morning, goes down at 10 o'clock at night. I can sleep between that time. There you go. Uh, you know. All righty, Mr. Dundee. I'm going to have to cut you off. We're running down to five minutes. We're running down to five minutes? So uh, I'm going to give you a shot to uh, put in any plugs for anything you've got coming up. Any websites? Coming up that I really want to plug is on Wrestle Rage. It's November the 24th. It's in Elk Grove, Illinois, outside of Chicago. It's our big show. It's our WrestleMania for our company, POWW Entertainment. Just two W's, but you know, I've been drinking. POWWEntertainment.com. And uh, just, you know, I'm glad there's still people that like you that would take time to talk to somebody like me. <laughs> Hey man, we 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 support the old school and we support the indies. Yeah. That's what we're about. You know, there 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 are people on other radio shows that want to get on the big time guests, and that's that's not what we're about, man. We're about you know yep. the the legends. The, who the, is the big time guest? A guy like me that fucking at four years old came here with my dad with you know and and lived the wrestling world, or these guys that they just. You know what I'm saying? They just make them. That's what Vince wants. Because he don't want nobody like me who can tell him, look, that's wrong and don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. He wants these guys that ain't got a fucking clue and he, they're robots. He, tells he wants them, a puppet. They're puppets. They're fucking robots because they don't want real wrestlers. They don't want wrestlers that will tell you, no, I ain't doing that. But they get, Vince gets upset when you call it wrestling. Right. You know, I, you know what? His daddy would kick his fucking, his daddy would put his foot in his ass and kick his ass if he knew how he was doing His daddy was one of the ones in the fucking... That you know when they made that big form the NWA or whatever that was all about seven promoters who got together and if you fucked this one promoter you couldn't work here so everybody finished their shit and swapped people around there was six eight thousand wrestlers making good money trading in and out every couple of years you know that's right and that's then right. yeah so but I mean you know that's like anything that's like saying you know look look what Britney Spears wore when she became a hip hop star compared to what they wore in the Mickey Mouse Club so I mean I understand what they're doing but killing our business man. Very true. But guys, Very I really true. appreciate y'all's time to just sit and rap with Ice Man. And Not a problem, brother. That is the, that, and for those, that is a quote. That is a WWF quote on that bullshit about the rehab. Cause we, on the next show, we may call them and just see if they'll take old Jamie. Tell them I got, I'm rehab. I need, I need rehab because I got wrestling relapse. You know what? That's not a bad idea for part I mean, two. For real. Why don't we test them? Because they're never going to work with me again. We can test them. No shit. You know what? That's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw a plug out here, myspace.com backslash Jamie Dundee. There you go. Um, send out a friend request. Pretty sure the Iceman will add you. Um, I'll tell everybody this. I, I, there's not one email, if it comes to my box, that I do not answer. And the reason being is if you're going to take the time to ask me something or talk to me about something, I'm going to take the time to answer you or I wouldn't have it. I'm not one of these big stars who say on their pages, well, I don't have time to answer all my emails. Bullshit. You don't get that many, motherfucker. What else you got to do while you're online? On me, if you send me something, I will answer you. I will talk to you. I'll answer your questions. I'm I'm just on there because, hell, that's all I got to do, drink beer, do that, and make love to beautiful women. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, brother. It was definitely a pleasure having you on. My pleasure. And, uh, I will touch base with you in the very near future. We'll get you, you back on. Phone number and maybe we'll do a contest. Win a date with Jamie Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. On there and we'll do it. I got one. All right, brother. 
All righty. Thanks, boss, for coming on. Thank you very much, sir. Take care, man. All right. Now. Well, there you have it. Memphis legend himself, Jamie Dundee. You got two hours of him here on Rubber Guard Radio. We're coming down to our last minute. So that was definitely an enjoyable show. It was um, really fun. And I'd like to thank Mr. Dundee for coming on and, and shooting the shit with us for a couple hours. Um, let's uh, throw out some plugs here. MySpace.com backslash Rubber Guard Radio. Um, if, you, <clears throat> if you're an independent wrestler, promoter, anybody, pretty much, you know, send out a friend request and, you know, maybe we can get you on the show or whatnot. Also, um, like this, uh, show love to our friends over at F4WOnline.com. Uh, join the Empire, seven ninety nine a month. You get all the audio under the sun, and you get to experience the greatest board in the world. Um, and last but not least, my sponsor, IVP Videos, www.ivpvideos.com. And we'll be back on Saturday with independent star Vito Tomaselli. <laughs>